Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Out of the Drawing Pan, a Pokemon the Series podcast. We have a very special episode for you all today. We're going to be talking about Pikachu's Vacation and Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. And I'm your host, Jacob, and I'm here with my co-host, Austin. You know, it's too bad Jigglypuff wasn't in this movie because I'm tired. Are you sure Jiggly wasn't in this movie? There was like a cameo in Pikachu's Vacation. Okay, uh, that's enough. And speaking of cameos, guess who's back with us this week? Whoop, whoop. Our other co-host, Alex. This is so exciting. I can't believe it. Like, we've been doing this podcast for how long now? Like, since May? Ten years. And we finally have reached the movie. It's Out of the Drying Pan, the 39th podcast covering Pokemon, the first movie. You talking about a ranking or episode? Oh, episode. No, our ranking oh. is much lower than 39. What are you on about? Like lower is in a good way? No. <laughs> Which way we no. Oh. In a oh, bad way. Okay. Pump those numbers up, baby. Pump those numbers up. Maybe everybody was stars. just waiting to get to the movie, and here we are. We're at the movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is our big break. This is it. This is what you've all been waiting for. And we do have a lot to get to today. Oh, my God. We're probably going to talk for five hours. <laughs> Oh, I know. Let's see. <clears throat> Hopefully, you got some water near you. Get a snack. It's a little dry. Get some snack. Get some popcorn. Sit back and enjoy this show. But like I said, we have a lot to get to, and so we're gonna skip over our week talk segment. That should be back next week, maybe, depending on how big of an assignment Austin has for us. Uh, it, it might be big. <laughs> oh, but our last CD drama was only a, a forty-minute episode, so maybe not. Tune in to find out. We'll be talking more about what's next week later. But for now, we're going to, like I said, we're skipping week talk, and we're going to go right into a little segment we came up with called Where Were You? So where were you when the movie came out, along with the short Pikachu's Vacation? We'll start with Alex. Okay, I'm trying to remember this because it was so long ago. (laughs) But I want to say that, and this was what, 1998, right, Austin? Nine. Yes. Okay, 98. Um, Nine. 99? Nine. See, this is why I ask. Austin knows all these general trivia questions. It's this thing where I Googled the movie and I saw what year it came out. Okay, well, still. Why can't you just accept the fact that, like, me and Jacob revere you as, like, the guru of all the knowledge? 
There's also the fact that the movie that came out the year after this is called Pokemon the Movie 2000, and I thought that was a pretty big clue. Oh, okay. So it came out in 98. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> 99. 99. 99. 97. Sometime in the late 90s. So I want to say that I was in Florida at the time, not living there, but just on vacation. My dad took me to the movie theater there at the local movie theater, and I saw it then and got the the various Pokemon cards that they gave away, like the Mew card and then the Dragonite card. And there were some other ones, but there was not a Mew card. No, the Mew wasn't there, I don't think. That was the next one. Was it? I think. It could have been the 2000 movie. Okay, the Ancient Mew was the 2000 movie. Okay. The ones they gave out for this movie were Pikachu, Electabuzz, Mewtwo, and those are all boring because they're just like the standard Ken Sugimori art of the time. Mm-hmm. But then there was the Dragonite card that had the cute little Dragonite with the mailbag. Yeah, that's the, the... Okay, so I misremembered. I apologize. That's the one. You guys can hate me. The Mew card was later. They It blurs together, though. It all happened around the same time. Yeah, we hate you. We hate you for that. I'm terrible. Ugh. I got the, the Dragonite card and the Pikachu card, I think. I think I did, too. Were those given, like, all at once, or was it, like, one per person? Was it kind of, like, random draw, or were they all giving out? I remember they gave it in, like, a plastic baggie, and it was, like, they gave out... If you bought three tickets, they gave you three little plastic things, and you open it and find out what card it was. Oh. I may be wrong. Oh. I, that's how I remember okay. it. Because I remember opening that in the car on the way there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wish they still did that kind of stuff. Yeah. That'd be nice. <sighs> the nostalgia for this, watching this movie, was so real. I it was It was making me emotional. So you were in Florida. Austin, where were you? I was where Jacob is now. Oh, okay. I was literally right down the street from where you live. That's where I lived oh. with my family at the time. So I know exactly where you saw this at. Nice. Well, the movie I saw it at no longer exists. Yeah. It's, you know it's the gone. one. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. It's gone. Yep. That's where I saw every movie in my childhood. COVID killed that theater. That's so sad. Oh. It, that movie theater was long dead by that time anyway. Still. Yeah. They were begging for business. Like literally, that's the only movie theater I've ever been in where I was the only one in the theater. But you could have it all to yourself. I mean, that's it pretty. It was so like, nice. I loved it. Yeah. Well, I was with my, my friends. I wasn't by myself, truly. But still, I mean, you had like a kind of a private showing when you exactly. went. So, Where were you, Jacob? Think, is it my turn now? Okay, it's yes. my turn. I remember I went to, like where I grew up. We did not have like a good good theater either. And it was like really kind of trashy. And I remember the seats being broken a lot. And I think it was like either my dad or my mom took me. And I think it was one of those things. Let's entertain the kid for a couple hours <laughs> to keep him you know, eat up some time for the weekend or whatever. I think last week I talked about how I don't remember Pikachu's vacation, but then watching it again, I had like memories of like, okay, I remember seeing this, but I didn't really care for it because I was there just for the movie. And I think as a kid, I even was kind of like, this is like darker than when I'm used to with the, with the animation. But yeah, I was just in like a really kind of crappy theater, but I still love the movie. And I think it Kinda holds up pretty well, especially for a Pokemon movie. Maybe. Yeah, we'll get th- we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there when we get there. That's true. All right. So I guess with uh, where were you being answered, we can now move into the short that appeared before uh, Mewtwo Strikes Back, which was Pikachu's Vacation. 
And Austin, this was like a little short they had. It wasn't it's not really short at all. I think it's like twenty minutes, but Yeah, it's like episode length, but it's a short yeah, it's a film full episode. Technically. Okay. And this aired before the movie came on. Yes. And we're gonna approach Pikachu's vacation like a normal episode in the anime. And I got the randomizer right here. Oh goodness. Hold on one second. Talk some on yourselves. We're talking, we're talking. Alex, what did you think of the Pikachu shorts when you were a kid? I, you know, honestly, I don't really remember too much, but I obviously, I want to say that I very much enjoyed them. I mean, Pokemon, I mean, Pokemon still is important to us now. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be doing this podcast, but it was like everything to me when I was a kid. So I imagine I was very enthralled by this. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking it was a very interesting choice to have to split the movie into lightweight fare for like really small kids and then murder existential crises and all this kind of stuff and like whoa that was definitely what i was gonna hit with this pikachu's vacation it's definitely a lighter affair compared to this was the the, the little appetizer before the real main thing started so i wonder we were talking about this the other day like i wonder what parents thought about this you know taking their kids to the movie theater i mean this was the first pokemon movie so and the mania was real like pokemon was the thing so i really wonder what they thought but the poor parents <laughs> of these small children having to go into mine. this with with no yeah mine too all of ours <laughs> going into this with zero context i mean like the fuck is happening exactly that's what uh, i wonder if that like uh do you remember that like god complex thing that parents were complaining about i wonder if that is like was came after this movie or whatever god complex what no i don't remember that <laughs> no remember when like they said like pokemon was the devil or something oh like that? Kind of, did you kind of see this movie i thought your mind this this movie gave children god complexes it did yeah like i went outside and i thought i could control the weather and stuff i really do like imitating u2's hand swirly part hey <laughs> save it save okay. it okay. save Pikachu's it vacation okay pikachu's vacation okay and the randomizer has spoken. Austin, you have the 30-second summary challenge. Excellent. I have the episode summary. Then, Alex, we got something in store for you later. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm scared. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go. The twerps deliver off their Pokemon to first day at the Pokemon Park, where they have all these different environments to hang out in. But Ash is Pokemon... Don't give a shit about that, because they're hanging out with Togepi, and they're getting into a rivalry with a Snubble, and a Meryl, and a Raichu, and a Cubone, and some wacky antics ensue, like a water race, and a chase between Pikachu and Raichu getting magnetically sealed together, which ends up with them trampling Charizard, and Charizard's head getting stuck in a warp pipe. So all the Pokemon work together, including Cubone, and they save Charizard from Time. getting stuck. Time. A, a Time. warp pipe? It looked like a warp, warp pipe. pipe. Okay. <laughs> it did look like a warp pipe. <laughs> Uh, Good little Mario crossover goodness. here. We don't judge what we say during the no second recap. Look, I applaud you. The thirty second summaries, as we know by now, are very hard and entertaining. But I thought it was funny. The ship drowned. Yes. Okay, warp pipe. Okay, let's talk about the warp pipe. Let's talk about the warp pipe. Before we get to that, though, like Austin said for this episode summary, Ash and his the twerps, which call them twerps. They drop their Pokemon at a vacation resort, and this resort does not have a name. I didn't even know it was a resort until I like looked it up on Bobapedia, and they do this basically just to let the Pokemon have a fun day, just to chill out, you know, have some fun. 
who needs to train for the Pokemon League when we can go to the, the, the resort area? Okay, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> what time frame are we talking about here? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> We're existing this in another realm. This is thing. like the holiday episodes where we go to like an alternate universe. This is an alternate universe. Okay, this is the alternate reality. Okay, we got to get into Pikachu shorts real quick. Oh, God. <laughs> because I feel like these early-ish Pikachu shorts, like, they could con- conceivably happen. Like, we'd say, like, oh, bye, Pikachu. We'll come back in a few hours for you. Bye. Don't get any mischief. But the later Pikachu shorts, it's like, Pikachu and friends run a utopian society on the beach. And it's, like, really weird and, like, very clearly not canon. So I, I think I like this approach a lot better. Yeah, this approach is definitely more of, like, sensible in the sense that it, like, this could happen, like you said. I want to know where they went. Like, where did Ash, Brock, and Misty go to where they had to, like, drop them off for the day to say, okay, here, have a day of fun, relax. I mean, I guess it's just, I mean, I guess they could be doing it for fun. Just like, hey, enjoy yourselves at the Pokemon Park or whatever. But I always wondered that. They just got to go handle their stuff. They had to go find their faces again because they lost their faces. Oh, yeah, this is the, the we only see their legs situation, like, as they drop them off. This episode was actually called Face Off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, imagine being the parents. You don't know what you're in for. You sit down, and it's the, the little cartoon characters walking up a, a hill as music plays, and they're all dancing and celebrating. You're like, Jesus fucking Christ, I got 100 minutes of this ahead of me. Oh, yeah, and this is probably, well, this is before the age of, well, that'd be rude regardless because you're in a movie, but, like, this is before the age of, like, cell phones where you could even pretend to, like, do something else. Don't be on your cell phones during a movie, but. Yeah, that light is annoying. There wasn't even an option. They didn't have cell phones, yeah. Yeah. But we also see Bulbasaur, Charizard, Squirtle, Pidgeotto, Geodude, Onyx, Vulpix, Zubat, Staryu, Goldeen, Psyduck, and, of course, Togepi. So we have a star-studded cast for this one. <gasps> Zubat! <laughs> Zubat, oh my gosh. And these, oh, basically, so who goes off? Uh, Onyx, I don't see Vulpix, Zubat, Staryu, Golding, Psyuck, Psyduck. They all just kind of go off and do their own thing. But Bulbasaur, uh, and Charizard goes off too. Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Pikachu, they stick around and they help out with Togepi, who's kind of just throwing a hissy pit, hissy fit. He's just crying, and Pikachu and Bulbasaur trying to get him to shut up, and Squirtle just splashes water on his face, and of course that pisses him off, and then... He stuck his tongue in his face. Yeah. Is that what you meant? His face. Yeah. Spit gun on his face there. Oh my we didn't God. Like. And then Bulbasaur takes his vines and just rocks him back and forth and puts him to sleep. Well, you're, you're skipping over the whole part where he's hungry, and they try to get him an apple, but Psyduck then, of course ruins everything and eats the apple that they pick for him very true and that apple may have been may have been poisoned too because as soon as psyduck eats it he just falls over that's very good maybe that apple was probably not the best thing to feed a togepi plus who gives a small infant togepi oh a my full apple god like that? that reminds me of the episode with dr proctor or whatever the hell when <laughs> pikachu ate an entire right. apple and choked to death on it Thank God Togepi was not given this apple because Pikachu <laughs> yeah. would have shoved it down his throat in one go. Okay, maybe Psyduck actually did end up saving Togepi's life. And that goes back to the Torps, too, for leaving this small Togepi in the hands of these Pokemon, too. So they share some of the blame there. Yeah, they're going all in on the baby thing. I mean, Togepi is legitimately like an infant in, you know, personality and mannerisms. And how long has it been since it hatched from its egg? I mean, come on. 
aren't Pokemon supposed to be like, they're more like animals, you know, when anim- baby animals are born, they can like get up, run around like immediately, you know, their development time is way shorter than people, but not this one. Yeah, the mysteries that surround Togepi and the many questions that could be asked. I appreciate that Togepi is going to remain in, as a baby as like other Pokemon are born and are younger than it and they're like battling and stuff. And just, <laughs> yeah. just, still a baby. That's it's like a, a Benjamin point. Button. So we, we have Togepi settled down here. Togepi's, you know, calm down. Then we see a Cubone, a Snubble, and a Meryl come along, and they start kind of getting in Pikachu's and Bulbasaur and Swirtle's face here. All what right. The fuck are, what the fuck are Snubble and Meryl? I don't know this Pokemon. Yeah, Those, we have They're to, new and scary. These are brand new Pokemon that we've seen for the, what, first time ever? Yep. So that's a, this is the first time these are introduced. They haven't We haven't seen them in any of the anime episodes. They're kind of just thrown in here we need to talk about meryl because there was the whole thing back when meryl was first like teased or introduced or whatever everybody kept calling it pika blue i have that in my notes too yeah well they thought wasn't it something if i'm i could be completely misremembering this but they thought it was something to do with pikachu as like an evolution or some kind of something right it was connected somehow i think it was like early internet days it was just like Look at this blue Pokemon. What's it called? It's Pika Blue. You gotta take Pikachu to the secret garden pathway under Bill's lighthouse and with the truck and turn off the game 3,000 times and it turns into a Meryl. What I thought originally was the Eevee kind of things where like Pikachu is evolved into an electric type, but Pikachu can also become a water type or a fire type. Like they were hinting at the pre-evolution status of Pikachu with Meryl is what I felt back in the day. Yeah, according to this, so I looked up this urban legends wiki thing with Meryl on it and it just said something similar to the effect of the speculation was that it was somehow an alternate evolved form for Pikachu that was electric water which obviously was very wrong but I love early internet bullshit like people yeah, just that was <laughs> great <laughs> oh that was god great th- that was a pretty good theory though you know I, for speculation yeah I, I really miss those early days of like the gaming guides, you know, everybody had the gaming books and like that whole era of this crazy theories of, oh, like you guys said, the Mew under the truck kind of thing and glitching the game, you know, missing all that thing, all those things. We don't really get that stuff now. Oh God, I miss it. I miss it so much. Alex, if you would like to find misinformation and conspiracy theories on the internet, I got good news for you. It's not that hard. We're going to just limit this to Pokemon and not every other wackadoo shit that's out there. Okay. I try to avoid that. I guess it's still fun when people, like every new generation, when we have like Pokemon silhouettes, it's really fun to see what people do with that, like what they create based on just the the silhouette of a Pokemon, what they think it's going to look like. I mean, I always enjoy that speculation with new Mm. Pokemon. I mean, that kind of still exists today. The last time I remember really getting excited about that was um, the Zygarde core. Oh. We were like, what oh. the fuck is that? Yeah, yes. Well, what was this going to be? That yeah. was a complete missed opportunity. We never had Z version. So. Oh, true. Good point. We sure do have a lot to say about Pikachu's vacation. We do. A lot more. Well, you can go down each rabbit hole, especially when they introduce new Pokemon like this that we've never seen before. And it's kind of like, what the hell? Okay, we'll just let this go. I also love how we all focus on Meryl and Snubble. Snubble's there. Oh, yeah, yeah Snubble. Snubble's there. <laughs> Snubble's okay. I keep thinking about that rich lady. That's later on. We'll soon, I guess, meet her. But anyway, like I said, Meryl, Snubble, and Cubone come along, and then they ask for a series of kind of like 
competitions. They form like a little mini rivalry going on. Yes, Austin? Right, you. Raichu, that's right, Raichu shows up. They get into an altercation with them because they're being loud and obnoxious and waking up the baby that they have tried so hard to get to go to sleep finally, which I'm sure any parent can attest to how horrible it is if you finally get your kid to sleep and somebody comes along and wakes it back up because that's another, like, several hours of trying to get it to sleep, I imagine. You can't wake the baby. Yeah, exactly. Seinfeld. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Yep. Yeah, so I forgot about Raichu be there. Yeah, and they're trying not to be, they're being loud, and they're trying to get them to not wake Togepi from the ruckus. We're going to have to refresh my memory a little bit with the competitions. So Squirtle takes on Meryl, I remember this one, in a swimming competition, which is kind of rigged because I think Squirtle gets hit by a rock, or who is it? It's a Pokemon, isn't it? He runs onto a Goldeen. We don't know if it's a our Goldeen, but it's a Goldeen. And it pushes him back probably like almost to the beginning, and of course he has to catch up and loses to Meryl in that race, which Squirtle would have won if he wouldn't have been hit by the Goldeen. Okay, I'm sorry. Can I just interrupt? That Goldeen was a complete a-hole. I mean, is it that stupid? Like, it could have dove underwater to get away from Squirtle, but it just kept going. And how come Squirtle couldn't get itself off of the... I mean, I would assume Goldeen is smooth. Like, why couldn't he just... There were so many things that frustrated me about that. (laughs) I I guess I'm getting too upset and and worked up about a kid's cartoon but yeah i hate stuff like that when people think they win and it's like they didn't but they still act like it be even worse if it was our goldeen but i kind of want it to be our goldeen because i want our goldeen to have some semblance of personality and that personality is (laughs) i'm a terror (laughs) yeah we don't see it that often so it's got to make its voice heard or something like that cause a bunch of ruckus for attention that makes sense and okay so we have the swimming race which meryl wins and i forgot does, do we go straight into Pikachu's kind of rival thing with Raichu? Yeah, they... Is that the next one? They start laughing about the fact that they beat Squirtle, and Raichu's getting all cocky and starts sending sparks everywhere with his electrical powers, and it hits... Well, Pikachu's trying to shield Togepi, but it ends up hitting both of them and shocks Togepi, which, of course, infuriates Pikachu, and then that's when they get into it. Yeah, and they get in a fight, and there's not really a winner declared even though i think pikachu probably would have won well they, they get into like a they get like magnetically sealed to each other and decide yeah. the best bet is to run in every direction trampling every pokemon that makes a cameo on their way <laughs> then we see that uh charizard finally comes back into play and gets his head stuck in a warp pipe poor charizard Ugh. you see his head go in a pipe and then like in the left corner of the screen, his head pops out. So assuming that the warp pipe took him, like, underground and through to the left side of the screen. It was really weird, but, you know, that's what happened. What? <laughs> okay, so his body was in the Pokemon world, his neck was in the Mushroom Kingdom, and yes, his, the yep. head was on the other side of the Pokemon world. Yep. Okay, got exactly. it. Exactly. Well, he flies... So a little context for this. They run over his tail. He's just minding his own business, sleeping. Which, he was sleeping in the middle of the fucking road, so I don't know what he expected. Yes, he was sleeping in an inopportune, like, place, but one could say, argue, there's not a whole lot of activity on this, like, mountain road. I mean, would he expect Pokemon to be, like, trampling through? Probably not. Anyway, he gets woken up, and then he, what, flies around for a bit, and then, how does he end up, oh, he hits that, like, playground thing, and then ends up, like, crashing, and then flies into a pipe that's stick it's part of this like jungle gym like obstacle course it's like sticking out of the side of the mountain and he gets his head it's incomplete 
right? The jungle gym's like broken. Well, he breaks it. It's just this like wooden. He breaks it, yeah. Obstacle course thing, and then the pipe is like the next obstacle, and then he just gets his head stuck in there. And he starts blowing fire. Are there not human supervisors anywhere on the grounds who would be aware of this happening? Apparently That's what not. questions me to think it's not an actual like resort. I think they just kind of found this area and were like, it's like abandoned or something. They're like, I'll just go. There was signage that said Pokemon in multiple spaces. It's old though. I'm saying it's broken. Okay. Down. Okay. Oh, it's like the it's like the abandoned um Alice amusement in park. theme park. Yes, exactly. Great, great. So anyway, we got Charizard's head stuck in a pipe, and then our rival turns gets shifted towards like uh, they start helping each other out to clear Charizard out of the pipe, and they eventually get him out, and then they rebuild the jungle gym and add some other little playground equipment like a slide and some other things and enjoy that and then we see ash misty and brock as soon as the pokemon actually start having fun come back into screen and take the pokemon away so it was i guess it wasn't much of a vacation but hey everyone looked pretty happy at the end there we discovered the power of teamwork and friendship which is all that really mattered which yeah i guess so i guess it was like a big sort of comparison to how you do have your rivalries in pokemon but at the end of the day you got to work together to achieve goals like I said, this starts off on a really lighthearted note for what we're about to transition into. <laughs> Goodness, does anyone else have any more thoughts about that, or does that pretty much sum her up? I mean, we're really not getting into the detail about this one, because it's just like, Pikachu, adventures, okay. Well, I want to, we didn't touch on this at all, about how many, I did note every single weird transitional scene. Yes. In the- oh, yeah. <laughs> the best parts of the short. Yes. Yes. Like, the, the cutaway, like, transition scenes between each like, activity that was happening, and I wrote them all down. <laughs> Which I noticed, like, they didn't happen for the first several minutes, but then after a while, they happened every 10 seconds. Every yes. Second. They, annoyed, they annoyed me so much. I just I just didn't even want to talk about them, really, because it was like, why? This is, it's not good. They're not good transitions. They happen too frequently, and it really distorts the story, because they're all over the place. You want to list the Pokemon that appear? And they guess they chant their names too, Alex. Because yes. it's annoying, really. We've got the Hypnotic Bellsprout. Which is weird. I thought my screen, like, it broke on me. It was very, like, 60s, like, a psychedelic kind of Bellsprout. Oh my god, and it was the first one too. The poor parents. What the fuck am I watching? I know, they are probably yeah, like, exactly. what? <laughs> um, we get a water Pokemon montage, which that one was pretty normal. It was just a bunch of water Pokemon going by. Slowpoke yawning, taking like several seconds to yawn. Primate punching things. Executor and Oddish marching around. Diglett and Doug Trio. There was a far fetched. Chansey, like exponentially multiplying Chansey. There was like a scary Magnemite one that like Magnemite kept like yeah. multiplying. And then at the very end, it was like Magnemite and like got really close to the screen. That was kind of scary. And these right here, that Magnemite one in particular, like, I was watching it, I looked down at my phone for a second, then looked back, back up and saw that, and I thought they were actually there. I was like, what in the heck? Coming through like the turn. screen, yeah. Yeah, the transitions were just awful. Jigglypuff Austin did appear. It appeared as the final transition scene. Oh, okay. It was rolling by, mm-hmm. so it did appear in kind of a cameo moment. Okay, okay. But I think that was all that I wrote down, so. I think that was all of them. They were intrusive as hell. They were annoying. They were Especially annoying. Yeah. Especially the Pikachu Raichu running part. I'm like, okay, that's like an action sequence. And they're like, we got to split it up into like five different parts. <laughs> I didn't get the point of that. It was just like, I, I just don't know. Like you said, the parents must have been furious. Like, oh God. Like, is the whole movie going to be like this? Every five minutes, we're going to have like a 
Are we going to go through all 151 of these Pokemon now? <laughs> oh, good lord. I did feel really, really bad for Charizard. I mean, poor thing. I, like, I have claustrophobia. I absolutely hate being restricted or confined like that. So I can sympathize with him. And he was, like, crying when his head was stuck in the pipe. Like, poor thing. He went from a rock in the rain to his head stuck in a pipe. Mm-hmm. That's how Ash should get him to, like, obey. Like, just shove his head in a pipe oh and, like, I'll let God. you out if you listen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. That's how you train. That's the AJ method. I did have one other final question about this or thought. Shoot. Jacob, you mentioned at the end of the day, it's... Because when, ar- when we initially arrive, it's, like, early afternoon, you know, maybe morning, early afternoon. Like, it's bright outside, all this stuff. Clearly, an entire day has gone by because when Ash and Misty Brock come back, it's evening the sun is setting it's you know dusk time you know and and the twerps collect their pokemon and leave it's like it's time to go because it's the end of the day and i'm assuming there's like operating hours for this park regardless the other gang of pokemon which i'm assuming all belong to the same trainer so snubble cubone raichu meryl nobody comes to collect them it's the end of the day so that is my question where is the snubble gang's trainer we never see them if Snubble Gang was owned by one of the people we've met before, who was it? Like one of the many yes. weird people? Okay. Yes. Oh my God. Um, James's fiance. Okay, because they're assholes? Yeah. I guess fiance is what you'd call her. Jezebel? Jezebel. Yeah, there you go. I'm trying to think, like, which asshole trainers have we met that could be? And that's be? Serge's uh, Raichu. Maybe Damien left them there and he abandoned them and he's never coming back. There no, he wouldn't have something like Snubble and Meryl. My theory is that it's abandoned, like I said, and these Pokemon just kind of rule the area. Like, it's their turf now. So they're a roaming gang. Yeah. Of, like, the least threatening gang of all time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, it's a little resort that's broken down. Who's going to want it? These Pokemon can hold it down. I honestly can't guess. I can't think of anybody. AJ, maybe? I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, kind of a-hole type trainers that we've come across. I don't know. No one. Well, it well, it couldn't be. Yeah, it couldn't be anyone we've seen so far because two of them are Johto Pokemon, so it would have to be a oh, Johto shit. trainer. Oh lord! I don't know. It's just we'll have to wait until Johto to answer this question because I don't know. It just bothered me. It bothered me because they were left there, and it's getting dark. And where's their trainer at? Anyway. So I guess that that concludes our thoughts for this episode. We can move on to our MVP, our most viable player, our least viable player. And a quote, <laughs> if you have one, I, I don't have one. I'm going to say straight up, I don't have a quote, uh, but I, I guess I can come up with uh, an MVP and LVP on the fly. The randomizer has spoken. Alex, you're going first, followed by myself and then Austin. Well, considering that there wasn't any dialogue, I don't know. Okay, you know what? Fine. My quote's going to be Bulbasaur's Bulba Bye that he did. <gasps> so cute. Oh, he starts singing to Togepi. So I guess that's a quote in a way. MVP, I'm going to give it to Charizard because he was like the main focus for like the second act and he didn't deserve, yeah, he's cocky and kind of arrogant, but he didn't deserve to get stuck in a pipe. So I felt really bad. So I'm going to give him MVP. And he saved them from a bomb threat. Oh yeah. He saved them from a bomb threat? The the weird little subplot with Meowth trying to bomb them because they're too loud. Oh, that's right. I've completely forgot. Oh, yeah, Team Rocket's Pokemon were there, too. We didn't talk about that at all. I forgot all about that. 
Jeez, Almighty. Yeah. As you can see, we were really, really honed in on Pichu's vacation. Well, they were there for like two seconds. They get like yeah. blasted off again by Charizard um, when he's shooting his fire all over the place. And Meowth is like, keep it down. And yeah, you're totally right. Charizard ends up. What, he No, when he gets yanked out of the pipe, he lands on Meowth, right? When he comes right. back down mm-hmm. to Earth. And the bomb explodes. On Meowth. I completely forgot about that. Okay. Um, LVP. This is difficult. I guess Goldine. No, actually, this isn't difficult. I'm going to give it to Goldine for being complete. But Dang it. Okay, great. Sorry. Are we, okay, are we assuming it's a wild Goldine or Misty's Goldine specifically? It's got to be Misty's. Okay, sure. It's It's got to be. I don't know. I'm, like, conflicted. Because there was other Pokemon there. It wasn't just, like, ours, and that's all we saw. I would assume it's, like, an, another person's, because I don't think that Misty's Goldine would actively try to interfere and help the other team i don't see why that would be the case but there were so many things that could have been done it could have just dove under the water or anything goldines are not known for their problem solving skills i don't have a quote but i guess i'll give it to uh the magnemite transition because that was weird when they just go (laughs) magnemite 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 that's my quote i'll give my mvp i'm gonna give it to pikachu for kind of showing a good responsibility by taking care of Togepi. I think the twerps did him a disservice by just handing off all this responsibility to him. But I thought he took initiative and helped out with that issue. And then my LVP, I'll give it to Meryl. Because you didn't win. You didn't actually win. You were actually lost. So you're the least viable player for me. Fuck you, Pika Blue. Okay. That's right. <laughs> My quote will be Raichu when first introduced, because Raichu has a really strange laugh. Did you guys notice that? What? It was like, <laughs> that's what Raichu laughed I like. did not notice that, but <laughs> it was very we'll take distracting. your word for it. He was uh, choking on opportunity. Okay, sure. My MVP <laughs> will be Dexter for being the narrator for this. Oh, yeah. Which, fun, fun oh. fact was a dub only thing and is also the only time the pokedex is in any way represented in any of the movies is that true oh that's interesting the pokedex never appears in the movie fun facts with austin Mm -hmm. you know i got them like any movie ever no no pokemon movies Ooh. okay wow i've never noticed that my lvp will be meowth for threatening to kill everyone that that is okay yeah you're right right there his instant solution to shut everybody up is just kill them yep well you know it's a solution can you imagine if the pikachu's vacation short did like total shift in tone and now all of a sudden we were dealing with the travesty of the twerps pokemon being killed in a bomb oh my god that'd been a great setup for the next part all right in the next part death <laughs> death a complete tonal shift so we are ready, I think, now to go into the Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. We are back and ready to talk about Mewtwo Strikes Back, Pokemon, oh my the gosh. first movie. So excited. Oh, my God. Yeah, you should be, because this movie, oh, Lord. Yeah, this was, Ugh. you know what? I can't believe, like, when I just think about how far we've come as far as, you know, Pokemon as a franchise, the games, the movies, all these things, I'm like, 
I can't believe that it's been so many years of this and, and here we are now like everything we've been through all these games we've had and like just how far we've come I don't know I'm just overcome <laughs> Alex is having a moment I like I it I am having, having a moment, moment. <laughs> she's crying get a, get some tissues over there I am not crying I'm excited I I know I, it's been 40 years since this movie came out 40 years, 40 oh years. My I just can't I can't believe it we're talking about it. It's so exciting to me. I don't know. I have a really, really strong sense of, like, nostalgia. I still love Pokemon. I mean, I know we all love Pokemon. Clearly. We're here talking about this. We're doing a podcast. Yeah. Jacob, get out of here. <laughs> You're kidding. fired. You're fired from hosting duties. <laughs> don't you dare rain on my, like, nostalgic, like, <laughs> sentimental moment here. I'm just letting you take the reins. Keep going. I don't know. I could talk forever about this. I know I'm being annoying, but... No, do it. Talk forever. It Go. Is, it's a podcast. Go. It's just so... I don't know. Pokemon just... This is absurd because I'm like almost 30 years old, but I just love it so much. There's so many good things about it. And I know I bitch and complain like everybody else every time a new game comes out or whatever, but deep down in my heart of hearts, I still love Pokemon. It's so great. There's something about it. Okay, what is it specifically about this movie that's bringing this out all of a sudden? I don't know. I just, I have this, oh, maybe it's just just longing of a simpler time or something like that. And all the excitement. Like, I just remember being a kid. I know we've talked about this extensively, but, you know, having the Game Boy Color, Red Version being my first Pokemon game. It's just, It was so mysterious. Like, Pokemon was just such a big yeah. phenomenon. Like, it was just so much, like... I don't know. I want to say the word mystery about it. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like that's that's the right word because this is about a Pokemon, yeah. a Pokemon we've never seen before. Well, it's not right? only that. Supposedly. Well, yeah. I mean, there's Mew. There's Mewtwo. I don't know. It just seemed like so wondrous, and you know, Pokemon was such a big phenomenon, and it was like this never before seen thing, and it's just I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I have a I don't know. I feel like of all the Pokemon movies, this is the one I have the weirdest relationship with. Oh, oh, why? It's complicated? Yeah, it's complicated with Mewtwo Strikes Back on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can recite this movie by memory. If you give me enough hours, I could probably do it. Oh, my God. Not literally, but effectively. Yeah. But I don't know. It's If I saw this as an adult in 1999, I'd be like, oh, God. This but is you not know what? For Okay. You, you didn't, though. You had this experience as a child, which completely shaped true. your perspective. Exactly. So this movie will be close to my heart until the day I die. Even as a Pokemon movie, it's not anything wonderful. It's not, hmm. like, objectively great quality, even by Pokemon movie standards. But it's still very much a unique entity. Mm. And there's nothing else quite like it, including the CGI remake from 20 <laughs> years after. The yeah, fact. oh my gosh. Which I like the remake better, actually, than the first one. But really? but it's still, still, it still stands out as a theatrical experience, I guess. It was the very first. It's the very first of its kind. So, I don't know. There's just something really special about it. I'm trying to think, was this, like, the first movie I saw in theaters? You are a little younger than us. Yeah, I think it, it may have been. I really think so. It was either this, it was either, like, the first one or, like, the first, within the first three, easily. Maybe really? the first one you remember? Yeah, that's the first one I remember because I think it's, like you guys say, like, it's still there. Like, it's still going. I can still, like, reminisce on the plot. It still lingers in my head. So there's that aspect of it for me. It's like, I think this was top, the first three movies I saw, if not the first one. What me. was your first movie, Austin, that you saw in theaters, like, ever? Oh, you know the story. 
<laughs> I was a young kid. I don't know what year it was. Maybe actually the year before this. But the first movie I remember seeing in a movie theater was randomly 10 minutes from near the end of the second Power Rangers movie. Because I was with my parents and we were theater hopping while waiting for my older sister, who would have been like 12 at the time, to get out of Jim Carrey's Liar Liar. Oh, oh my wow. god. So I saw the first few minutes of Jim Carrey's Liar Liar. I saw like up to when he can't li- stop lying. Or can't, yeah, yeah. He stops lying. Can't start. He can't lie. He can't lie. That means I saw a sex scene in theaters. Interesting. How old were you? Damn. I had him in like six. That's a very mild sex scene. That's it just was a like very a, mild sex scene. Yeah. It's like a kiss and a moan and then you... Yeah. Um, how does it compare to the sex scene in Mewtwo Strike Back though? Well, it's very like tamed compared because there's like groups involved and... Giovanni straps Mewtwo into that armor contraption and... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of confusion about where it goes. Anyway... We, yeah, so... <laughs> Sorry, I always go that way. <laughs> it holds a special place in all our hearts. Yes, thank God Alex is back this week to put a leash on it. <laughs> we got a little out of hand last week, I think. Yeah, it was fun, though. I did start listening to it. I feel like I need to actually get some context and, and listen to the radio drama so I know what you guys were talking about. Which means we failed as podcasters if you need context in order to listen to it. That's just me being wanting to be a completionist. Fair enough. We did get kind of out of hand by the time we were ti- we were done with it. By the time we, like, called you in, we were, like, kind of, like, loopy <laughs> by that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, you know what, I, overall, I think you guys did a good job. But I did pose this question to Austin. I was like, I wonder how many of our listeners, do you guys actually follow along with us? You know, do you watch the episodes before we talk about them so you know what we're talking about? Or do you listen to us with no context and rely on us to give you the whole picture so i don't know it's interesting send us an email yeah let us know yes. i'm curious out of the drying pan at gmail.com what's your preferred way to follow along with us are you gonna tackle all the episodes with us or are you just gonna listen along and watch <laughs> listen to us talk about it i guess listen to us completely derail every single time we talk about stuff how familiar were you with it's a white tomorrow team rocket how familiar are you with new two strikes back let us know anybody who's a pokemon fan has seen this movie that's right we got a back on the rails a little bit here instead of a 30 second summary challenge this week from you two strikes back we're gonna each get a minute to summarize it but we're gonna take it in parts so the first person summarizes like the first third of it the second person gets a minute to summarize second third and the last person gets to fulfill the story with a minute to finish her on up we'll we'll see how this goes you think a minute is too long or a minute's a really long time to talk should we allow like interference from us like say if alex is talking and she needs help should we be able to jump in sure why not okay it's cooperative yeah it's a cooperative 30 second or one minute in this case challenge and remember earlier when i was talking about alex being the last name for the first randomizer she gets the lovely privilege of starting off the one-minute oh summary challenge for Mew- Pokemon. Okay. Mewtwo strikes back. See, here's the thing. I just think a minute's a long time, so I don't. I don't. I'm kind of like, how much do I say? Because I don't want to get like through the whole thing before you guys have a chance to jump in. But we'll see how this goes. That might make it funnier if we have to stretch it out for a full minute. <laughs> <laughs> just go off the rails. Yeah. God. Okay. How much do I actually say? I'll try to summarize it as best i can you don't have to do the whole thing just roughly a third okay oh god if we don't finish y'all have already seen the movie so it doesn't matter yeah all right let me know whenever you 
kind of are ready I'm, to go. I'm just going to go for it. I'm not going to put too much thought into this. That's the best way to do it. Three, two, one, go. All right. So we start out with um, you in the ocean. The narrator is talking to us about the mystery of life and how magical it is. Um, then we cut over to Mewtwo in a test tube and a bunch of scientists are staring at him and Mewtwo is questioning his purpose in his life and he has flashbacks to Mew and he ends up destroying the, the laboratory and flying away and the scientists are, you know, having a whole like Robert Oppenheimer moment of I've become death, the destroyer of worlds and what have we done? Um, Giovanni appears, decides to offer a partnership to Mewtwo and have him battle for him and then he ends up sort of betraying Mewtwo and telling him that his purpose was to serve him. And then we cut away to the twerps and they get challenged and an invitation to the most powerful Pokemon Masters Done. Island. Also Mewtwo escaped from Giovanni. Oh yeah. Yes. The episodes. Yep. Well, I didn't look. Okay, here's the thing about this. I didn't want to talk too much in depth about one particular thing because I feel like we're gonna sort of be talking about this. So here okay. we are oh. at the invitation. Is it me next or you, Austin? I don't know. You're the. You're the. You're the I'll host. go next. I'll <laughs> okay. go next. Okay, I'll time you. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was trying to remember the original order, but whatever. Who cares? I'll go. All right. Two seconds. Three, two, now. <laughs> All right. So like Alex said, now we're at the Twerps, and the Twerps are on some kind of island and a trainer comes along and they battle and then Ash, Misty, and Brock get this mysterious invitation from a mysterious woman who they may have seen before but they're not entirely sure. So they go off and they try to sit above to where they're trying to get to where the tournament's going to take place. So they go to a Pokemon Center on like Old Shore Wharf or whatever and a whole bunch of trainers are there ready to get to this tournament but then Mewtwo creates a storm causing boats and all sorts of damage to tip over. And this leads to a bunch of trainers resorting to using their Pokemon to beat the storm and get to the island where the tournament is taking place. And of course, Ash doesn't have any powerful Pokemon to get there, so Team Rocket comes along in a Viking boat, of all things, and tries to make it to the island. But they tip over, and the twer Twerps start drowning, but then Squirtle helps them get to the island, along with Goldeen. And this is where Time. we're at the island where the tournament is taking place. Okay, okay so you left 85% of the movie for me to do in one minute. Okay, a Thanks minute guys. is not as... Okay, I thought a minute was going to be way longer than it actually was, so we're actually going to be like able to talk about this um, a lot more, so... Okay, wish Austin, luck. Summarize the rest Austin. of the movie in... Okay, <laughs> no, I got an idea. I got an idea how to fix okay. this. Okay, Austin, we're going to extend yours to a three-minute summary challenge. <laughs> Oh my god. Are you sure? No. I could probably do it. I could probably no, do no, it. No, 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 no. You get one no, minute we'll like the rest back. of us. Okay. We'll just circle back or something. Okay, this is a fun new game because now we can fuck each other over. You can. That was my bad. I thought I was getting I'm further than what I thought. Sorry. I think I, I set the the wrong precedent because I only got to the part where like we get the opening montage of Ash battling. So whoops, sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. It, to be fair, this movie's a lot longer than I remember. It's more dense than I remembered it being. It is. But okay. You have 10 seconds, Austin. Oh, God. So get your mind right. Because oh. uh, you have 85% of the movie to summarize. And three, two, one, go. Okay, Mew's there, too. And Team Rocket is there. And you and Team Rocket get sneak into the castle. The Twerps meet three other random trainers. And they all meet Mewtwo, who's the most powerful Pokemon master in the world. And the most powerful Pokemon. And they have kind of like a battle royale between Mewtwo's super clone starters and the trainer's actual starters. 
including Ash's Charizard, and then Mewtwo steals all their Pokemon with some evil eyeballs and clones all of them, and then Mew shows up, and Mew and Mewtwo get into some bickering, and Mewtwo's like, I'm gonna stop all the Pokemon from using the special powers, and they all fight nearly to the death, and everyone talks about how fighting is wrong. Um, and then Ash runs into a psychic energy blast, and gets turned to stone, and all the Pokemon cry, um, including Pikachu, but not including Mew, who's a heartless bastard. And then Ash comes back to life from his stone form, and Mewtwo has a total change of heart, and decides that Pokemon, who are fake copies and Pokemon who are real are equal, so he sends everyone back to Old Shore Wharf without their memories, and you two and the clones go off to the Johto region, where we'll see them again at a later date. The end time. Perfect. Woo! That was well done. Wow. Give him a round of applause. Way to save the day. I got everything right. That was... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Okay, this just proves that me and Jacob are terrible at this, and Austin's the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, whoever had the, like, to finish it up probably had the advantage here because we left him hanging you did you filled your part part there i think i had the disadvantage here if anything no you had the advantage well i'm excited to talk more in detail about this because there's a lot to talk about yeah this is a very dense movie as austin was saying and so that was basically us summarizing it but now we're gonna jump into we kind of decided to for this movie we're gonna kind of go with a good the bad and the ugly format where we're gonna talk about the good the bad, and just the plain old ugly. And so to structure up our good, bad, and ugly portions, we're going to take the movie kind of scene by scene, and like I said, talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the first scene we're going to start off with is Mewtwo and Giovanni. Now, Austin, the randomizer has chose you to start us off the discussion, or start off the discussion for this portion. Okay, I'll say um, this is both good and ugly. Hmm. Like, Mewtwo Strikes Back starts... And it's, like, scary and weird. We start out with, like, these unexplained images of Mew swim by and Mewtwo's, like, voiceover. It's very unlike anything we've ever seen in the Pokemon anime up to this point. And then we get this really intense sequence of Mewtwo being born as the scientists explain to it that it's just a weapon that's been created. And he freaks out and he goes on a fucking murder spree. He kills those people. And it, we've never seen anything like that. We joke all the time about people, like, getting killed and stuff, but they don't actually die. Right. Can I add something to that? There's a lot of death, like you said in this opening scene. There's, like, I know, Austin, you're a huge fan of this, like, Evangelion, a little yeah. bit in the beginning, where there's, like, Dr. Fuji is actually trying to keep, I thought this was actually pretty cool, was trying to keep his daughter's conscience alive. Well, yeah. I don't know. Yes. Did you have, what did you think about that? Did you see that part in the movie, Jacob? Yes. <gasps> you watched that part? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, what you watch, that's so funny. You watch someone putting that back into the movie. Okay, yeah, really? so the version we watched did not have that. Alex and I watched the Warner Brothers DVD release of the movie, which is what aired in theaters in America, right? Okay. There's an extended version of the movie, because when the movie first aired in Japan, it aired just like that. With It goes okay. from Pikachu's Vacation to Mewtwo waking up in the laboratory, right? Okay, yes. When they re they kind of did like a remaster of it in Japan, and they added in all of the Dr. Fuji backstory stuff. 
Okay, so I saw like a different, an alternative, like director's cut. What you must have seen was someone taking that footage and re-splicing it into the movie. <laughs> really? That is crazy. That's so funny because that's our topic of conversation in the next episode. <laughs> really? So should I say it on to those thoughts? Hold on to those thoughts. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> ignore my ignore my part. Continue, Austin, with the. Okay, normal. I just like the good because you know that's it's creepy, it's weird for a children's movie to start out like that, and then but it's ugly because like I said, we just transitioned from Pikachu's adventure in the Pokemon park, and I can't imagine the whiplash that parents got watching this in theaters. Like, what in the world is happening? Yeah, it's very like visceral, like heavy stuff going on. It is definitely like a a tonal shift from Pikachu's vacation. I mean, I can keep I can keep going. Yeah, if you got some more points. Yeah, the good is it ties into the TV show. We see, you know, repeated scenes yes. from the show and we get context for them. And we learn the whole story of Mewtwo is Giovanni's Pokemon and Giovanni's using it for various purposes, including what sweeping gym battles and catching large masses of wild Pokemon for the Team Rocket Grunts, etc. So that was cool. I like the way they did that. They tied it into the show, which most of the movies will not do in the end. However, I do think it's bad that, well, I mean, I kind of believe it's in character because Giovanni's a moron, but Giovanni goes from saying, we'll be partners, we'll be a partner and I'll help you focus your power, to being like, nah, you're my slave, I'm your master, you exist just to serve me, and then Mewtwo responds by blowing shit up, which, I mean, Giovanni, you could have had a little more tact than that. Yeah, that's uh, the whole premise, is basically anytime Mewtwo gets disappointed or gets pissed, he just blows things up. I guess, like, with Giovanni, like you mentioned, Austin, he should have had, like, more parameters set up to prevent Mewtwo from breaking control. Mm-hmm. Is that, was that what you're kind of hinting at there? I'm kind of going, getting for, I think it's rushed, it's a rush sequence where we go to, okay, Mewtwo's been, like, jaded with humanity because the Giovanni making him into a weapon and then telling him to his face, you are a weapon. And Giovanni's an arrogant moron, so that makes sense. Yeah. But I do, I do think it's, like, not the greatest writing to just jump into that but again it's the prologue we don't have time for all this we don't have it's not the giovanni show that's what my like one of mine was is they shove too much in the beginning i put that as a like a bad point for this opening scene but you basically covered all the other points <laughs> that i had especially since i had the table my other notions for this part did you have any more or alex did you want to add anything in i was just gonna say you know mine kind of aligned with that a little bit as far as you know sort of what i mentioned in the summary I guess kind of my one of my bad points was you've got this whole humans overstepping their bounds as far as, you know, kind of flying too close to the sun sort of thing. Like, I know I did the Oppenheimer quote, but kind of it kind of gave me a lot of those vibes. It's like you're creating this old mass destruction weapon. You don't know what you've done. And now you're like reaping the consequences of taking science too far, you know, creating this sentient being only to use it for personal gain i mean that was bad and i feel like it was kind of a heavy it's heavy stuff for a kid show like when you're thinking about creating a weapon using it and to austin's point giovanni had no tact whatsoever he he did the right thing at the beginning as far as tricking him i guess you know hey i'm using this armor like this armor is gonna help you it'll help you focus your power and you know once you do that you'll find your purpose like he could have just kept leaning into that but instead, mm-hmm. he decided to just, which I was kind of surprised. Like, he literally just walks into the room one day and he's like, no, you're my tool. You exist for me because I'm the one who, like, commissioned you as a project or whatever. And what did he think was going to happen? 
with that, like saying that to Mewtwo. It was a very lazy narrative shortcut. Yeah, yeah. super lazy. Because he's already seen what Mewtwo can do. Yeah. I mean, I know there has to be a conflict. Obviously, they have to make it so that Mewtwo's like, screw this, I'm out of here. And, you know, completely lose his trust in humans and, and all this other stuff. But it just seemed really silly on Giovanni's part. <laughs> I mean, it could have been as simple as Mewtwo reads Giovanni's mind and, like, yeah, the truth. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was, like, suppressed, though. Was that not suppressed with the helmet? I don't know. I'm rewriting the movie now. Okay, you're rewriting it? Yeah. <laughs> this is the fan fiction? This is the fan fiction <laughs> version of Mewtwo Strikes Back now. Yeah, but, I, you know, a good thing, like Austin said, and you kind of touched on all these main points, was we did get some tie-in to the, the episodes we already saw as far as Team Rocket in the woods. They see headquarters being blown up. They see this mysterious figure flying away, the armor breaking up, you know, all that other stuff. We've already seen it. Giovanni surviving the lone survivor in the rubble, yeah. you know, all that. Oh, my gosh. And Giovanni doesn't care. Giovanni has no care. Like, another bad point is Giovanni doesn't care about these people either. They're just pawns, obviously, to him. So good we had a tie-in. Bad that he doesn't seem to care about anybody but himself. Did you guys mention Gary? Gary's cameo. Oh, yeah. He did appear in his um, Viridian Jim battle. See, I yeah. remember as a kid, I saw... I don't know about you guys, but I had seen those episodes... That Mewtwo had appeared in before watching this in theater. So I was like, oh, that's neat. I like how they did that. I like how they tied it in. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, I'm recontextualizing my response, but you know what I mean. Yeah, in I know the, what you In mean. the theater, cool. it's probably like, oh my god, it's Gary! Well, just the fact that you recognize it, it's yeah. two is also. That's impressive. Continuity's not something we often get, so it's nice when it happens. Very true. Poor Gary doesn't get a speaking line in any of the movies. Oh. <laughs> that, is very true. that is yeah we got to see the back of his head for two seconds so that was fun like i said all my points got kind of tabled so does anyone else have any good bad or ugly points for the opening scene before we move on to the next one not at the moment not at the moment okay austin how about you you ready to head on oh i do think it's a shame we didn't get to see a scene where giovanni invites me to on his helicopter and flies him back to team rocket headquarters because i would like to see that Oh, yeah. That'd be cool to see how that happened. <laughs> oh, Yeah, I he... want to see how the transition of that. Yeah, I want to see that transition. <laughs> like his original, like, showing up to the destroyed lab and saying, like, be my partner. And then, like. Yeah, because we cut to the Team Rocket HQ. And I wanted oh, to my see, God. <laughs> like, small talk on the plane or the helicopter. That's. I never even <laughs> considered that before. What? Oh, you my want, God. What would some that have drinks? Like? <laughs> Here's some, some champagne. Well, there was a little, I don't know if you guys heard the the one scientist, like, when all the destruction's happening and Mewtwo's, like, breaking out of his test tube or whatever, somebody yells in the background, like a scientist, he's, they're like, Radio Giovanni and tell him what's happened. I thought you were going to say there was a part in the background where the scientists were breaking champagne and, oh, like, clinking glasses. Well, they were. I mean, they kind of that were congratulating awesome. each other. They should have done that. That was, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I imagine them doing that. <laughs> I mean, they were. They were having, like, round of applause, like, shaking their hands, like, the whole celebration thing, because they created a sentient creature. We always add stuff that they should have had. We should be writing these movies. This movie, the moral of this movie should have been about using science unethically. Yeah, regardless. In the next scene, we're going to talk about, like, which is where Ash and the Twerps show up after that prologue. There's really no... That, like, really dark shift, I mean, it's still kind of there, but it's a huge tonal shift when we go back to the twerps, and they're sitting kind of like, I guess on a cliffside? Are they on a cliffside here? Yes. Yeah, they're, they're on a cliffside. Okay. They're always on a cliffside, I feel like. They're always on a cliffside. And this is where Ash and the twerps get their invitation to the island. 
which does the island have a name? I can't remember. New, New Island. Island. New Island? Yes. Not Mew Island. New Island. New Island. Okay. Okay. I know that we'll get to this because we have to cover the battle and everything first, but the island is named New Island. Yes. Which implies that it's already existed because people just seem to know it as New Island and call it that. But was that the name of the island where the original lab was? It was just called New Island? Or did Mewtwo make up that name? I have so many thoughts on the logistics of New Island. Okay. <laughs> Should we get into it now? <laughs> well, let's, let's, oh, hold on. Let's talk about Ash's battle and then he gets, how he gets his invitation to the island. Okay. Well, my, my very high level thing that I, was my first good note was good, colon, all caps, Dawn Fan. Oh, yeah. So another new Pokemon, a new Johto Pokemon. Which didn't have a marketing campaign, and I was in love from the moment I saw it on that big screen. Donphan, oh. the little elephant who rolls around. He's so cute! Donphan is Sorry. Austin's favorite. He's one of my favorites. Heracross is one of the others. Oh, and that's Bulbasaur. right. That's during the battle, right? Yes. Okay, okay, I will say I do like how this movie, after we get through Pikachu's vacation, and after we get through the Mewtwo prologue, we get the tradition of a Pokemon battle as the theme song plays, and it's a remix of the theme song. We will have this in many Pokemon movies to come, and I really appreciate it. I think it's a cute idea. I'm going to agree with you. The The beginning battle, I really enjoyed the music. I thought the remix theme during the battle with the random passerby trainer, um, which, you know, that's another good thing. Like, I think Ash has kind of gotten to the point now where he's got recognition. He's got name recognition. I mean, this guy is seeking him out like, hey, I'm looking for Ash Ketchum of Pallet Town. Do you know who he is? And Ash is like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, I want to battle you, Ash. Like, I think that's a good thing. I mean, Ash has gotten to the point where he's coming into his own as far as a trainer, which he's kind of, you know, in all the episodes we've had so far in the show, it kind of seems like he's been behind, you know, especially compared to Gary, but... Apparently not. Apparently he's doing good enough to where he's being sought out and holding his own against trainers that have, like, stronger Pokemon. Like, this guy that we see challenge him has Donphan, a Machamp, you know, strong Pokemon, and he easily beats them with... I mean, Squirtle took out Machamp with a bubble attack. It's a level 100 Squirtle. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be. That was that was kind of pathetic from Machamp there, but whatever. I mean, maybe this guy's just got really weak, you know, fully evolved Pokemon, but... I don't know. I thought that was a good thing. Do you guys know who this is? What, the trainer? Um, Random pirate man guy? Team Aqua, Team Magma combo guy? This is Raymond. He's from the Japanese band Suzuki-Zon, which was basically the house band for Pokemon advertising campaigns in the late 90s and early 2000s in Japan. Interesting. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know he was a name. Fun character. facts with Austin. The other members were Imakuni. Are you guys familiar with Imakuni? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With the hit single coming back for you. What the fuck is that? Oh, sorry. Keep going. And the other member is the woman who says the winds of water have come to end the world. Oh, God. Oh, wow. All right. So these these characters are based on band people in real life? They're voiced by them, at least. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Let me see here. Austin, what else did you put after for your good point? I put good. It's really good. That Mewtwo was able to rebuild this laboratory in a few weeks, but when he did so, he made sure to be e- extremely extra about it, because <laughs> it, he made everything incredibly spooky and gothic and, like, 
scary and like like evil sci-fi because like look at like the growth tubes he created in his spooky, yeah like observation deck area with like with like the veins all over them and he like made sure he had like the spooky long table with the stairs that go to nowhere and everything the giant menacing doors Mewtwo is on brand and I appreciate him for doing so the time he spent like going through the architectural needs for this location i appreciate the dedication you too he went all out he went full villain right yep full villain um another good point i guess for this scene was we see team rocket a little bit here and of course our other favorite pokemon dragonite that's basically a lot of good points i had for this i didn't really have any bad or ugly points i just thought it was really cool to see team rocket there and sort of get them involved early on. That way they just don't show up randomly halfway through. Then we get the invitation to New Island. Oh, the Dragonite scene was my was a good... Oh, good. God. The message Dragonite. So cute. Where did Mewtwo obtain this Dragonite? Who the fuck knows? He got it. It's Blaine's. Well, where did he get the Fero with the spy camera on it either? Where did he get that cute little mail sack for Dragonite to carry around? Yeah, where did he get those little, like, <laughs> iPads to, you know, with the holographic Princess Leia, Obi-Wan Kenobi thing going yeah, on? Yeah, and he, w- he was giving out the iPads. Like, here you go, yeah. take this iPad with a Nurse Joy on it. Well, we don't know it's Nurse Joy yet. It's just Mysterious Lady. Okay, Mysterious Lady. Were these questions going through your head as a child? No, of course not. No, absolutely not. I'm <laughs> trying to find all these plot holes. I was just enthralled by the whole magic of it. I Now as an adult... You know, obviously we're digging and, you know, for fun, too, we're trying to make it as absurd as we can. But I mean, I feel like that's a central premise of this podcast. We're like, oh, it is. This is absurd. Let's roll. Let's roll with the absurdity and see how far we go. Asking questions. I think the one good thing is Jessie and her immense strength because she (gasps) stops a fucking Dragonite with a frying pan. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, tell us what you know. What's going on? Where are the twerps going? they stop a dragonite like isn't the pokedex entry for dragonite like it can fly like at some absurd speed or something like that a hundred miles an hour or something like that no it's something more than that the whole dragonite part was amazing was there anything bad about this scene or not really it's also basically the first time we've seen dragonite so i kind of appreciate it yeah this is the the actual proportions of dragonite you get kind of an idea here the first time we saw him he was just giant godzilla figure so is this the the first time we've seen a normal size dragonite i guess so as far as i know apparently and i did look this up the pokedex entry on bulbapedia it was like it can circle the globe like what was it like 16 minutes or so circle the globe 16 minutes maybe 16 minutes hold on i misread that that would cease. That would be like something they would write, though. Some ridiculous statement, like, "Oh yeah, he goes sixteen. You know, come on, like Onyx is three hundred pounds or whatever." Sixteen hours. Sixteen. Sixteen hours. That's still, That's still really pretty fast. good. Yeah. <laughs> That's faster than Santa. Not sixteen minutes. Sixteen hours. He can fly around the world. So I was like, okay, a Pokemon that's that strong and can fly that fast somehow is thwarted by Team Rocket's frying pan. We respect frying pans in this podcast. We are That's named true. after a frying pan. That is pan. true. It was a yes. vibranium frying pan. Yes. Um, <laughs> Anatan- what's that? What's that? Uh, Anoptanium, Wolverine metal. Yeah. Adamantium and vibranium yeah. alloy like Captain America's shield. Yep. Unobtainium. Super cute. Plus, you know, everybody got the trading card with the with the messenger Dragonite from seeing the movie. Frying pans and Mewtwo movies are have so many purposes uses yeah they can stop a dragonite they can stop the rain exactly 
And you know what? Good for Ash, too, that he has been recognized by, like, the self-proclaimed strongest trainer in the world, Mewtwo, as being a worthy person. Ooh, that's a good point, too. I have different thoughts about that, but I guess that's for our next sequence. Okay. Which yes. is the harbor sequence in oh, Crossing God. the Sea. Which we have, I think we have a lot to say about this part. Yes, because yeah. I know who's the most eager to talk about it is Alex. Who, so. me? Oh, God. Yes. So we go from kind of like a self-intro <laughs> into kind of like, now we're in the meat. Okay, a bad point of this part. Mewtwo creates a storm with his ball hands. Ball oh, hands, ball, bad. No, the ball hands are a good part. I love the part with Mewtwo's ball hands and they're on the screen. <laughs> and the four kids music is like Mickey mousing it as he waves his little ball hands around the screen. I could just sit there for hours waving my little fingers like I have it's little like ball ASMR. hands. I'm doing it right now. Actually, <laughs> very calming. Can I take mine back? I don't want to put it in the bad category because I actually put it into the ugly category. Because <laughs> ball hands. The ball hands. Because... There was, okay, this was, what, two years ago now? Oh, Austin Christ. and I attempted to make, for Mewtwo's birthday, which is in February, but whatever, we attempted to make Mewtwo cupcakes. And I had an idea. I was like, how can we make a Mewtwo cupcake? You know, make the icing, like, purple or whatever. But then I found these, like, pearls, like, these purple purple pearls that looked like Mewtwo's ball hands. <laughs> and and we tried to make these cupcakes and it was an absolute disaster and so they were the fugliest cupcakes i've ever seen they they didn't come out of the pan somehow they all stuck to the tins we couldn't get them out it was cupcake again it was terrible we had to try to perform triage on the cupcake it was a nightmare they weren't even hardly edible like the only way it was related to mewtwo was these three like purple pearl things on the top that were supposed to be Mewtwo ball hands. So those were the ugliest cupcakes I've ever made. So that's why this whole part goes into the ugly category because I was reminded of our attempt to make Mewtwo birthday cupcakes with the ball hands. He has ball (laughs) hands. He does does have have ball ball hands. hands. And how did he get ball hands when Mew does not have ball hands? It was a mismutation or a mutation from the cloning process. This wasn't a very good clone, obviously. Okay. My (laughs) my question, which... I wasn't allowed to discuss, but I did pose this question to Austin. Mewtwo, because, all right, I know I'm skipping ahead again a little bit, but when Mewtwo makes his super clones, more or less the Pokemon look exactly the same as their original counterparts. They may have some different markings or whatever, but they look the same physically. Mewtwo looks completely different from Mew. So, and Austin told me in Adventures that this is the case, but I was wondering if movie Mewtwo also was a combination of Mew DNA, because they only had a fragment of it, and human DNA, because Mewtwo kind of looks more human-y than Mew. That makes sense. Yeah, because then you have the full DNA for the actual clones that Mewtwo's making. Yeah, so maybe it was... And in the adventures, apparently that's the case. It's a Mew and Blaine DNA. So he's part human, part Mew kind of weird situation. So And he has, he has like, that weird, like, skeletal pectoral muscles situation going on. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's got the, he's got the neck, like, h- carrying handle thing on his neck. <laughs> his ball hands. As all humans do. As all ball humans hands. have ball hands. Yeah. But we, all, we all have ball hands. We all have ball feet. I think he has ball ankles. Ball ankles. Oh, yeah. He's got ball ankles. He's, he's We have, tall. like, an exoskeleton. 
he kind of reminds me of like Frieza a little bit with his like purple. He totally white does. That's a very good on. comparison. Is he supposed to be like skeletal or is he supposed to be like a shaved cat? I don't know. Skeletal? I, I kind of looks a little skeletal. I'm getting skeletal, but he looks like one of those sh- like Dr. Evil shaved cat a little bit going on there. So they're attempting to get to New Island per their invitation, you know, come to the harbor at this time to take the ferry. Well, we discover there is no ferry because dun-dun-dun, Mewtwo has made this part of his test. Any worthy trainer can't just cruise on over. They have to brave this storm. And then we meet Officer Jenny, who is like, no, you can't go. The harbor's closed. And then the harbor manager who's this mysterious woman who starts spouting off about some prophecy, which we have no context for. This is the... Okay, this is going to be my good, because... Okay, this you, is your okay, good? I was going to say, is this good for you? You like this part? Yeah! <laughs> no. Do you ironically like it or unironically I, like I, the prophecy? Yeah. This is... Com- I like it because it's completely absurd. It's so bad, okay. it's good. <laughs> okay, You're ironically okay. like yes. it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, that makes me feel a lot better. This is squarely in the ugly category Ugly category for me. <laughs> me too, me too. For one, for one thing, the harbor manager starts talking about the prophecy. And I have the quote written down. And she starts going on about something <laughs> called the winds of water. The prophets have predicted the return of the winds of water. What the fuck is that? For years, <laughs> I have prayed that mankind would never witness that deadly storm ever again. So what is it? It's happened before. She's not like an ancient person she's like maybe like what 20 or something how could she even know about this and be like oh i hope it doesn't happen again my main question for this part was was she hypnotized here or is she like actually saying no this? she's actually saying it we have no context for this person so mewtwo has not she's not under no. Mewtwo's like control no here. no that's just miranda just miranda things so wait her name is miranda yeah when is it ever when is she ever called that Outside the movie, you gotta know from outside the movie. Okay, see, there's so many unanswered questions. We get no lead up to this, like, oh, yes, you know, 500 years ago, there was a deadly storm. You know, none of this. It's just, what the fuck is the winds of water? It doesn't make (laughs) sense. It's great. And then I made a comment of, is this like a cyclical event, like Humunga Dunga, like we were talking about? (laughs) Maybe Humunga Dunga was caused by Mewtwo. And the winds of water, sure. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I, what is this a callback to? How does this repeat itself for the first time something's happening? We don't know when it happened. She's saying, she's praying that they never witness a deadly storm again, but we don't get context. Like, this happened before. Like, nothing. Well, you see, the prophets foretold it. Right. Yeah, Sorry. the prophecy. Forgot about the that prophecy. That she wrote 15 minutes ago. Yeah. This has never happened before because Mewtwo was, like, just born yesterday. So, I don't understand this. Okay, so so we know what this is about, right? What? This is all four kids bullshit. None of this was in the okay. original script. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I figured. I want to know what the original script said, but you can watch the English dub of Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution to know okay. what she said. Okay. Ooh. Is that the Netflix one? Yep. I'll do that. She basically said, "I'm the harbor manager. The water's too high. You can't go out." Why couldn't they have just okay, said that yep, here? There you go. <laughs> Like, why did they have to add this weird shit of the prophecy, which didn't have anything, no relevance whatsoever? Okay, whatever. It was good. It was bad. It was both. I wonder if this is somehow, like, tying in from earlier. I'm trying to connect it here. I can't. I just can't. I'm trying to think, like, they cut out the scene in the beginning. Maybe this was to replace that in some way to add some kind of exposition here. They thought they were being clever. I think they went into this being like, 
okay, all the parents are going to be like, how in the hell did the tears revive the boy? And they were like, we got to put some exposition in here somewhere. Uh, Winds of water prophecy. Go. Okay. Here's this random woman. She's a prophet. She's not the prophet, but... Oh, yeah, she she believes in the prophets, and she's prayed this day was never come. Right. And Jenny is, like, trying to get people to say, and then the trainers just jump out, and they say, screw it, we're going anyway, even in this dangerous storm. And they start popping out all of their Pokemon, just trying to make it. Oh, God. I was like, man, that is... I thought that was awesome. I was like, there's no way you're going to stop us from going. We're just going to go anyway. I, was, I love that part. Jenny's just effective as always. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I, I feel where Jenny's coming from because she's like, you know, not wanting a bunch of kids to get hurt out in this dangerous, you know, storm. But according to our prophecy harbor manager, she's like, no, these are what trainers must do to set them apart. And this is what will prove them as Pokemon masters. You can't stop them. Their hearts are too set on this or whatever the fuck she says. I have no idea. I would not listen to a word Miranda saying Miranda is high as a kite. Yeah, she's got that glazed look in her eyes. She really does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess on the one hand, it's kind of like that whole trope of like, you know, oh, it's the kids are going to go out and do what they're going to do and you can't stop them because that's how they grow. And this is what they're, you know, need to do to prove themselves and all these bullshit things. But we do see how many. OK, so there's Gyarados boy, Pidgeot boy, Dugong girl and mm-hmm. Fero trainer. Which it's kind of ambiguous as to whether or not it's a male or female because we can't really see them. But this is a sad thing. Maybe ugly, maybe bad. I don't know. We see them later in Mewtwo's Great Hall. All three of them except for Firo Trainer. So. R.I.P. Implication being that Firo Trainer did not make it and that was very sad. But. Or did they forgot about him? Well, it could. Yeah, it could have been they forgot, but I don't know. I kind of find it interesting you know you're you're thinking about pokemon world is like a dangerous place and trainers probably perish you know traversing the world and stuff like that so kind of a little implication of like yeah not everybody's gonna make it it was dangerous but i don't want to turn this into a com- let's compare pokemon the first movie to Mewtwo strike Strikes evolution a thon but evolution adds a lot more trainers leaving the harbor who don't make it yeah like they added several really characters leaving the harbor so they just died. I like to think Santa Claus's Lapras saved them. They could have decided to turn back, too. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they just too much for them. Turned back. That's what we'll. Since it's a kids' movie, we'll we'll do with that. But you know what else was good? What? What? What could it be? Was it the Vikings? It was the Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings. This was probably the best part in the whole movie. Not oh wow! <laughs> Whoa, forget everything else. Statement. Right. Forget everything else. Forget like our you know poignant life lessons of you know accepting people for their differences and scientific overreach and like all these other things. Forget it. We had Team Rocket dressed up as Vikings, and that was hands down my favorite part. You that was a good for you. It was that good. I think we're going to get into some lines from the Vikings at a later time. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. Save it for the quote. Well, that's how Ash and friends get to the island anyway. Okay, so the Vikings crash, Team Rocket crashes, and the twerps kind of use Bulbasaur, not Bulbasaur, Squirtle and Stardust (laughs) to get to the new island. I feel like they weren't very far out. They got there pretty quick. That's either saying that the boat was like almost successful Mm -hmm. or the island just wasn't that far in general. How the fuck did Firo Kid not make it if they were that close? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out, who that it doesn't explain itself. Firo got blown off pathway. It's halfway to Hoenn by now. 
Oh my gosh. Goodness. So like Austin said, our twerps are now finally there thanks to the help of Staryu and uh, Bulbasaur, a.k.a. Bulbasaur? Oh. (laughs) Charmander swam them to the shore. To the island. Yes. And that sets us up for our next scene where we, our twerps meet, we've already met him as an audience, but our twerps meet Mewtwo. Who wants to take the lead on this one? I think it's your turn. Okay, it's my turn. All right. So we all end up at the party team rocket insists on calling it where we meet the other three trainers i forget their names it's like Corey, fergus and what was the girl's name fergus again names they don't say in the actual movie you gotta look it up tiffany nisha was her name how do they know the names if they don't say it i just look on the internet but how do they know they just looked on the internet okay fergus nisha and Corey. i don't know which one's which but we get some weird, uh, quiet scenes of we see these three trainers and they brought their Pokemon. We get, I think this is an ugly part. The Twerps are told to release all their Pokemon, so they release Bulbasaur, Squirtle, Vulpix, and Psyduck. All their Pokemon. Yeah. That's all we got. So some blatant fucking favoritism happened in here. It's a pretty stilted part of the movie, I think. Meanwhile, there's a much more interesting subplot happening of Team Rocket trying to get in through the back door. And they have a little follower known as Mew, who has Aww. somehow... Okay, Mew was cute. Oh Mew my gosh. Mew was very cute. Oh my gosh. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I have a, I have a bad here. No. How can yeah, you sorry. have a bad? I'm sorry. Sorry. It's another narrative shortcut. Mew just magically knowing that, oh, my clone is causing a huge hurricane on the other side of the world. Better get going. So I don't... They could have been more explicit about okay. like it felt a psychic disturbance or something. But they didn't. But I do think Mew itself is very cute. And I thought Mew hijacking on Team Rocket's, like, subterfuge, I thought that was pretty clever. The best part was when it arrives. Like, it's a completely naive little troublemaker. Like, it just wants to have fun and play around and stuff. Like, it shows up and it starts, like, riding on Mewtwo's, like, weird gothic windmill-like thing. And it just, like... It keeps dropping down from each blade as the windmill turns, and it's like, mew, mew, as it falls on each one. And I kept, I told Austin to rewind that part, because I was like, it's so cute. This is the part that I liked about it with Mew, is you get the character contrast here between, like, one is just, like, playful and kind of just there, and then one has, like, an actual mission to destroy the world. Yeah. The good versus evil kind of thing. That's the whole point of that. That's the reason why they probably skipped, they probably wrote out a story, Austin, but then they just skipped it straight to that point. Just good versus evil. I just need one line of exposition. That's it. That's all. Where was Brock when we needed him? I know, really. He could have said something. Mew, uh, you know, felt uh, the rock slip, and now he's here. Yep. Something. Brock could have told us the whole backstory of Mewtwo. He could have done that any time. Yeah, yeah. he, has, he has magical knowledge. Brock should have been the narrator. Mewtwo's extra shit, because it makes sure that it has a giant spotlight from the ceiling and it descends down menacingly, looking down upon the humans and their Pokemon. And it introduces itself as the greatest Pokemon master in the world and the greatest Pokemon. And lets Nurse Joy go because, he, oh, by the way, he kidnapped Nurse Joy has been keeping her captive and waste, erased her mind. He gives her up kind of quick, though, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he's like, you got them to the island. You've outlived your usefulness. Okay, bye. I thought he was going to kill her. We're going to get to that later. What? Well, uh, remind me of that. We'll get to that later. Okay. 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 That's it. They meet Mewtwo, and Mewtwo's like, I'm evil. And they're like, we'll beat you, Mewtwo. 
the next good part that I had, I put the kind of the callback to Darth Vader here with Mewtwo's chokehold on the trainer. Going on, do you remember that when they're sitting around this round table and the Mewtwo kind of like speaking of ball hands, his ball fingers to choke the guy to death? Jacob, I've gone my entire life without making the connection between that sequence and Darth Vader choking what's his name. <laughs> I've rebel. never made that connection. That's a callback to it, right? That's gotta be. It has to be. That's too close. He does his ball hands the same way. He flies off the ground, and then he smashes him against, like, the... Wherever this island is, that little castle there, and then he falls down. The only difference is he doesn't die, I guess. Neither, neither did the guy Vader choked. He did, oh, that's right. Tarkin yeah, he, saved the guy. Yeah, he saves him. Oh, my gosh. There you go. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you got the Mewtwo strikes back, and then you kind of got the Empire strikes back, and then it's sort of Star Wars-y in that way, but... Yeah, did, did y'all remember as a kid being like, Mewtwo Strikes Back? Okay, that means like Empire Strikes Back, which means this is the second Pokemon movie, but the title of the movie is Pokemon, the first movie. That it's confused confusing. me. Yeah. Where was a new hope? Where was a new Mew? A new Mew. A Mew hope. Oh my god. Uh, oh, there you go. I guess for that, does anyone else have any thoughts about that, or did we cover pretty much all? For that Some scene. good, some bad. And so after they meet Mewtwo, this is when we get sort of a callback. It felt like the N64 game here with the stadium battles. And then we get Team Rocket discovering a video. And for this part, I guess I thought the battling was kind of cool. It was good animation for sure. It was really good animation. That was the one thing I was going to point out was it felt like, you know, when we went back and we had Surge uh, and Pikachu and Raichu battling, it felt like it was that kind of good style animation, but like continuous between the Pokemon battling, of course. We got that movie money. Yeah, they got definitely had a bigger budget because it definitely was improved battling animation. We should clarify: Mewtwo brings out his starters. He has a Charizard Squirtle yeah. or Charizard Blastoise and Venusaur. I'm just like the movie. I get the fucking names of the Pokemon confused. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah, we didn't mention that. The one guy with the Pidgeot calls his Pidgeot a Pidgeotto. That's ugly. Oh, did okay. he really? I yeah. missed that. He totally did. In your head, you had it right so much you didn't focus on it. But like Austin says, Mewtwo throws out like Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise. And another, a good point I had about this, or the three stars that he throws out, is they're imperfect. They have like scar tissue on them, kind of implying that maybe Mewtwo used some like his own DNA to help mutate them or something. As you know, Jacob, there's more to know about these starters. Yes, there is a lot more to know. Is that later on or do you want to go ahead and touch on it? I mean, I will just say, I think it's ugly in that this just, like, is in the movie. It's like, oh, by the way, here's my Charizard, uh, Blastoise, and Venusaur. Like, what? Where, where do they come from? What are you talking about? What? Wouldn't that happen? It was weird. Okay, so you hit that as ugly. I put that as, I thought it was cool that they were, like, imperfect. They looked cool, but I thought the, yeah. the inclusion of them was poorly done. Well, he says something to the effect of, like, like most trainers starting out, I also had a Squirtle, Charmander, and Bulbasaur, but I'm like, where the fuck did you get DNA from those starters? <laughs> like, that's very true. Okay, here's okay. I I just had a thought. He he kidnaps Nurse Joy. He tells her, "I took you from the Pokemon Center because you had useful knowledge of like Pokemon physiology." So clearly, he used her for his cloning project. So maybe at the Pokemon Center, she had the starters, and so that's where he got the DNA sample from. Is it possible Nurse Joy owns the Dragonite? Uh, no, no, okay. Well, no, I don't no. think so. I don't know. I almost think the Dragonite's willfully doing it. Now that I think about it, clearly the DNA, like, where did he get all that DNA from all these Pokemon? Like, Pokemon Center. And, of course, the trainer Pokemon that 
mm-hmm. they were there and you know he grabbed the pokemon which that's the next part i think that's an ugly part is the pokeballs the pokeballs were fucking ugly sorry no i love the pokeballs i put them as good that evil black eyeball ones they're so cool looking i think they're ugly plus they're it's bad because they're they defy all the pokeball mechanics and logic that we know so all right before we get there okay. i would just like to say brute root and shell shocker what do we classify that as oh cute that was good for me too the nicknames of the trainers that make it i love the nicknames i thought that was cool i don't think we've ever seen that i don't like their names you don't no i thought that was pretty cool just wait till we get to richie and his um, oh fuck charmander zippo i like it when they nickname their pokemon i think that it gives them a lot more yeah it's a closer bond it's more character Ash does make a comment. He's, you know, because the girl's like, go, Shell Shocker, and the boy's with his Venusaur Brute Root. But Ash is like, I have a Charizard. It may not have a nickname, but it's really strong, or whatever the hell he says. And Charizard did the best of the three of them. Yeah. He did, yeah. Brute Root and Shell Shocker got, like, totally slammed, but Charizard was able to, like, hang in there for a little while. Mewtwo makes a comment on it. He's like, your Charizard is poorly trained. <laughs> but then it almost kicks his ass, so. I wouldn't go that far. I don't think it did too well. <laughs> Compared to the others. It did better than the others. <laughs> it wasn't like a 10 second KO. It was like you made it like one round and then got knocked out in the second. In our bullet scenes here, we talk about Team Rocket discovering the video. Is this the Dr. Fuji video? Right. Like Alex was saying, like the Oppenheimer, I have become death quote going on here with Dr. Fuji. Yeah. I feel like all the most interesting parts are like the Dr. Fuji stuff and we're not at that yet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I put as like the bad because it didn't. I don't know, like, they bring this scene back. It's not pointless, but it's it doesn't add, like, I don't know, it didn't add anything relevant to me. It doesn't tell the audience anything we didn't already know. Yeah, I guess this is kind of like just character discovery, but I put I didn't put it as ugly, but I put it as bad, because it just didn't add. I kind of thought, like, the point of it narratively was, was like, Mew was doing, like, reconnaissance. Mew was like, what's going on here? And it watched that video, and it was like, I know what's going on here now. They made a clone for me, and it must be destroyed. Okay. I think that was the point. I got more thoughts about Mew, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Okay, now we can go on to the eyeball Pokeball scene that Mewtwo, I guess, decides <laughs> that he's going to capture all the, okay, all the Pokemon. Okay, Go. Pokeball mechanics. <laughs> okay. Go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I was waiting for it. Here we go. All right. Anyone who's been listening for a while knows that that's my one thing. I like Pokeball mechanics you know anything that that entails so in this scene we get Mewtwo he wins the battle and he's like well now as which they did not agree to these terms you know this is a bad thing you know he's just like now that I've won I get your Pokemon I'm entitled to your Pokemon and so he conjures magically psychically these black eyeball looking Pokeballs that capture the Pokemon against their will and chaos ensues and the trainers are like oh no my Pokemon and some time later, Ash gets the brilliant idea. He's like, I know if they're inside their Pokeballs already, they can't be captured, which I guess makes sense in his mind at the time. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. That was really quick thinking on his part. Ash did a really good showing in this movie, actually. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That, he was the only one to think of that. Yeah, they're all... St- the other Pokemon trainers, you're right, were kind of just, like, letting this happen. They're like, oh, no. And they don't even try to, like recall their Pokemon they just sit there and futilely try to like bat the Pokeballs away but you know Ash tries to recall Squirtle and Bulbasaur but it doesn't work because these Pokeballs are so special that they can recall the Pokeballs into 
themselves. So it doesn't matter. So I was like, what the hell is this? It has like a double layer. That's just weird, isn't it? That Pokeball. It's like one of those Russian dolls or whatever. Yeah, the nesting dolls. I laugh at that part every time because it's just so like trolling of it. It's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, because it's like just when you think everything's fine, Ash is standing there. He's like, see, he's very triumphant about it. He's like, ha, I've outsmarted you, Mewtwo, at your own game. And then Mewtwo's like, psych. And the Pokeballs can capture the Pokeballs. So no explanation. Yeah, how did, how did Mewtwo develop this technology that nulls and voids everything we know about the world? We don't know. But this was really sad because, you know, Ash, of course, his main focus is Pikachu. And Pikachu is trying his best not to get captured because, as we know, Pikachu hates Pokeballs. But he ends up getting captured anyway. And we see Ash try to, like, capture Pikachu or, like, go after its Pokeball. Forget all his other Pokemon. Screw Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and all the rest. All we care about is Pikachu. So he jumps in after it in this, this like weird tunnel thing. I don't understand where he jumped into. It was like a tube. It was like in a the sewage floor. Pipe. Yeah. Mewtwo's evil architecture. It has no explanations. It's so bizarre. Like it's he, an escape route. He runs up the, the spiral staircase and we watched that on one and a half speed. And that was really great. Just because we were fast forwarding it to another part. I highly recommend anybody going back, watch the Pokemon movie, watch it in one and a half times speed. It's very entertaining. Or watch it double speed. Yeah. Like I did. It's a real treat. You watched it double speed? I did watch it double speed. The whole thing? Some some parts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which <Yeah>. parts? <laughs> Maybe the singing. Oh, 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 like, oh, no. Okay. 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 We'll hold that for now. <laughs> well, here's a bad, a bad, well, it's not really bad. A bad part is... Team Rocket doesn't know the difference between a Scyther and an Alakazam. I put that as ugly. Ugly? Why ugly? Ugly that whoever was responsible for the script somehow got the names for Scyther and Alakazam confused. And no one caught it at any point. No. <laughs> this is when they're, all the Pokeballs are going through the cloning machine and Team Rocket's watching this all happen and they misidentify it. I do like the who's that Pokemon part. That's, that's cute. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. With a screen, with a computer screen, that's mm -hmm. pretty, yeah, creative. This part I didn't like, I, I guess I'll put it in the ugly category, because there was some weird background alarm, like, music stuff happening, and it was giving me, like, a lot of anxiety, because it was like, ear, 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 like, the whole time. It was very <laughs> ominous. I don't know, it just gave me anxiety for some reason. See, I like that good, the fact that it gave you anxiety, I feel like that's good use of score. Yes, I appreciate it. I appreciate it because it, it evoked emotion in me. I was like, I don't like this. It's making me uncomfortable. So props to the composer because it did its job. You know what made me uncomfortable? What's that? The machine's giving birth. Since we're talking about them going through the machine. <laughs> I guess it was good in the sense that it made me uncomfortable, but it was ugly in the sense that it was kind of gross. They got some good, like, weird biotech shit happening in this movie. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think, okay, we'll put it good. I'll put that as a good point for me then. Because, like, Alex says the Pokeballs are now in that, like, DNA copying process, wherever that goes. And then they kind of go through this apparatus thing. And they kind of go through out of this machine that has, like, a door on it. But there's, like, a little slit down the middle. And then the Pokemon kind of just slip right through the little middle slit and then come out. Yeah, it's, it's evocative of a live birth. <laughs> it is, yep. Mewtwo, okay. Cutting back to Mewtwo and his test tube. His was, a like, a normal test tube it was glass you know he was hooked up with like wires and stuff like that but it was just a tube there was no weird 
sci-fi birth canal birth canal thing it was just a glass test tube so to your point austin about where the hell did mewtwo synthesize this like technology from it's completely different it's weird in that it's like super high tech but it's also more organic like if you look at his circumstances putting it versus like what he made it's cold hard machinery sciencey and then the more organic weird i I don't know it's very star trek or something but they even include the afterbirth like on these clones coming out there's like a mucus trail oh Oh, yeah there is it's not afterbirth. there is i'm not making like amniotic fluid that's not afterbirth (laughs) oh well the afterbirth is later ash is the afterbirth because ash breaks the machine good for him he's like really taking charge in this movie yeah, he he jumps in there with no regard to his safety, and he's fighting off the machine. He's like, stupid machine, and he's like trying to grab Pikachu back. Because, again, who the hell cares about Squirtle and Bulbasaur? He's just cared. That's he, very true. He's concerned about Pikachu only. It worked, though. It worked. Yeah, well, he blows up the machine. Ash is taking initiative. Meanwhile, Misty, Brock, and Joy and those other people are upstairs, like, mouth agape, going, what do we do? Okay, I put that as, like, a really good point for me. It was, like, the only one who's doing anything is Ash. Like, everyone else is just just there. In fairness, they're basically hostages. Yeah, but Ash is still able to do all this stuff. That's true. You think true. the other ones would take, like, Ash can freely do this. You think the more people they had working, the harder it would be for Mewtwo, I guess, to handle it. I don't know. Mewtwo had no reason not to stop Ash from going down the tube other than plot convenience. That's a good point. The guy just made a hurricane a few scenes earlier by waving his ball hands. You think he'd be able to stop a kid from destroying machinery? Whatever, though. Is that, uh, is that pretty much covered that scene, or does anyone else have anything to say? Well, there was one other thing. Go for it. Pokeball mechanics again, because I'm a weirdo. Anyway, when Ash gets the Pokemon back, when the machine blows up and the black Pokeballs release all the original ones, we get Squirtle and Bulbasaur back, and so... The black Pokeball releases the normal Pokeball, which then releases Squirtle and Bulbasaur, and they immediately fly back to Ash's hand. How does that work? I want to <laughs> know what the science is. How does it know where Ash is, and how can it fly back to his hand? Like He touched something down there in that lab that just put some kind of like DNA indicator on him or something. Maybe they do have like a DNA tracing mechanism of some sort. Like, they know where he is. That's got to be the only way. I just, I've always wondered that filling in the holes it's not important but i thought it was interesting the next scene i will lead because i think it's my turn this scene we are have you sure I, are you know what sure? you are austin are we sure i think we are because you know what you are austin what am i my brother my brother brother oh brother oh god we get to the next sequence which we i have titled battling to the death and ash turned to stone and here's where i was talking about why doesn't you two kill joy you two stated goal is to wipe out life on earth and he can't bring himself to kill these people he invited into his home. He's not a bad guy. He's misunderstood. I think he just puts on this front of like, I'm going to kill everyone. But he really doesn't want to kill everyone. I'm going to make it rain. The winds of water. Yeah. But he can't bring himself to kill these children. Maybe that's it. Maybe because they're children. But we're battling to the death here. We are battling to the Well, we're about to battle to the death. Because Mewtwo super clones emerge. Followed by Ash in his dramatic march with the real pokemon the originals the poke originals one might say it's like the final battle yeah it is the final battle he emerges from the dust with the pokemon and ash is like i'm not gonna let you do this mewtwo and so he decides to stop mewtwo by punching him it does not work physically attacking a psychic pokemon okay 
I mean, good for Ash. He does not have a like a bone of fear in his body. At least he's trying again. Yeah, everyone else is not. Yeah, Ash is actually doing something. Yep, and Mewtwo shows he is willing to kill a child when he nearly smears Ash on the wall into like a bloody puddle. But Mew's there. Here comes Mew. I'm proud of Mew. Mewtwo, well, Mew appears and saves Ash with his pink bubble, which is really cute. But he then goes to attack Mew, but Mew actually like claps back a little bit. He's not gonna let him just get away with this. Like, I put Mew as an as a bad part here. What? Oh, okay. Because think about it. Mew's been there for a little bit, right? Yeah, but, but Mew knew. Mew was observing, and now it knows when to intervene. And it's going to intervene when Ash is going to be killed. So it didn't think, like, when the Darth Vader chokehold happened, or, like, when all the Pokemon were being captured, like, against their will. Mew didn't think that was the right time to kind of step in and be like, hey, things are getting out of hand here. Okay. Or was he too busy playing on the windmill? Okay, so you say that's bad because Mew was not jumping in earlier. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was, like, for the movie plot point, Mew would have, like, besides needed the story, Mew would have jumped in a lot earlier. That's true, but I'm going to put that as good. Because I'm going to apply some of my own thoughts onto Mew. I think Mew is a trickster. I think Mew is not inherently force of good. I think it's implied Mew's here. Mew's having fun. Mewtwo is trying to kill it with shadow balls. And Mew's like doing its like chirpy little <laughs> laugh. I think Mew's having the time of its life. Oh, so it's just amused by this. Like it sees it all as a big joke. Right. I think so. Do you guys agree or disagree with that interpretation? I agree. I could definitely I could definitely see that now that you pointed out. I thought it was like a good versus evil thing. I'd like to also point out Mew when we get the battle underway, the only one who refuses to fight is Pikachu. Like Pikachu's clone appears and Pikachu refuses to engage. Like it doesn't attack back or anything like that. Mew if it was like truly a force of good, like if it wasn't a trickster, I mean it could have refused to battle. I could have mm-hmm. just dodged Mewtwo's attacks and just refused to battle Mewtwo and kind of put that philosophy to the test of like, you know, I'm not here to fight you kind of thing. But it does. It engages in the battle. And, you know, up to the climactic point of, you know, it was part of the reason of what happens to Ash. So it's maybe not as good. Like, it's not a, ent- entirely like pacifist like Pikachu was. I was going to say, like, Mew like kind of goads Mewtwo on. Mew's basically like, these original Pokemon are better than your clones. We should have a battle royale about it. Like, Mew's, like, escalating the situation, I would argue. Oh, yeah. Doesn't Meowth make He's a... He's out for blood. Yeah, he makes a comment as to what Mew's saying. Like, we should settle this kind of thing. It wants to engage in a battle. I don't think Mew's a force of good in this movie at all. No. Good I think point. if it's catching us off guard with those cute little scenes, like the windmill scenes, I think... It's just selfish. Yeah, I think it, we're, it's entirely id and nothing else interesting okay, i see that interesting perspective okay then mewtwo announces that all the pokemon he's going to turn off their ability to use their powers and their abilities and moves so they're gonna have to basically fight like brutally like fight like actual animals would by running into each other and slashing each other and stuff and we get a music cue oh god <laughs> what did we put this music cue as? Good, bad, or ugly? Ugly for myself. Bad. Um, I'm conflicted. I don't know. Um, <laughs> good and bad? Okay, defend your position. Bad because it's just a bad song. And it's one of those, like, 90s pop ballad type songs. 
and it just it wasn't a good song musically but good in the sense of like it's trying to evoke emotion brother my brother you know we're all the same you know why are we fighting kind of thing i don't know i'm sappy like that i thought it was bad okay just bad is this the same guy that sings the original intro no it's okay alex actually identified the band do you want the blessed union of souls yes that's who it was performed by did you have any thoughts on them you seem like you recognize them i mean I'm, hold on i gotta look this up because i know th- they sound like a gospel thing yeah it does sound like a gospel that sounds like something you'd sing at youth camp um they're an alternative rock band from cincinnati ohio and oh my god no they did not hold on yeah i put this on two times speed yeah i can't blame you jacob because that shit's awful okay okay (laughs) do you guys recognize this song hold on she don't care about my car it's it's not playing i can't hear it you can't no okay well they played they sing that song hey leonardo she likes me for me she likes me for me no way yeah you know the song you have you've heard the song you know the song not because i'm on mtv yes oh wow you have definitely heard this song kind of a they were kind of a one-hit wonder yeah so to have like to know that song like one of these like massive hits in the 90s and then they're the band that sang the brother my brother song was just kind of jarring for me I wonder if there's a music video. There is. Okay, I feel like it's vaguely familiar, but I could not. You haven't heard this song before? My gosh. If I have, she it's likes not been me a long time. No, uh, I don't recognize it. I'm sorry. I really like 90s music, so. I don't recognize I'm so sorry. You know what? Now that I know it's that band, it's good now. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good now. Because <laughs> I like that song. Good for them. So that was kind of weird for them to like get kind of big name i don't know maybe if they at the time were a big name band but they're singing the brother my brother song i'm so sorry i've never heard of this band in my life outside of brother my brother <laughs> you know me i don't know music i make this comment every time austin i say this to austin i've said it what maybe like 100 times 500 times yeah i'm like austin you sound like i don't know you just seem like one of those people that would be a music buff like you would know about music and it's kind of the opposite i don't know nothing about nothing <laughs> all right Let's get to another bad point. Ash dying? No, no, actually, I think it back. This is a good part. The battling, the gratuitous, violent, like, it looked like they would be drawing blood and stuff, and they were, like, biting each other in the neck, uh, all the Pokemon fighting their clones. I think that's good. What? Well, okay, I think that's good as okay. a part of a movie, as a dramatic Austin sequence. Austin is pro-animal okay. fighting. <laughs> Okay. No, I this think is it's why, good. Look, this is why PETA got so... They got their panties in a twist because... They're pro-cockfighting yes. in this movie. Okay, this is where things get a little wacky. Okay, first of all, Nurse Joy and Brock kind of start off and they're like, Pokemon should not be forced to fight to the death like this, which it's... Okay, yeah, we could get into this. We could have a moral of this is not... Battling. Battling. This is not a regulated sport this is not something that's necessarily productive and there's rules and guidelines this is Mm -hmm. a fighting to the death and that's obviously we don't want that to happen but then misty and team rocket get in there and they're like i realize now fighting was wrong all along we should never fight fighting is bad they say fighting is bad like four times they go from one extreme to the other yeah this like the messaging is really mixed here how is how is like pokemon 
shooting hyper beams and stuff at each other not worse than just scratching each other with their like claws because that's fantastical oh okay fantastical violence cartoon violence is okay but not like actual animals fighting each other to the death is not okay where is n when we need him um america somewhere in his like playroom with his like ball and train and basketball hoop n is like having a mental breakdown about this well, N would be the... It would make more sense if N appeared in the scene. He said, fighting is wrong. Without any kind of subtlety whatsoever. That'd be nice. <laughs> just randomly out there, just burst yeah. out. And travels through time. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> yep. I love it. Let's do that. Add that scene in there besides the Amber one. Okay, great. N says all of their dialogue. And there then he go. leaves and we never mention him again. There you go. But I don't know. I thought it was ham-fisted and not well done. I thought they could have had a whole thing about like... There's a certain kind of battling that's okay compared to like... It's yeah. just gladiators in the ring kind of thing. Yeah, it felt like it was dumbed down and like Amer- like we had to have a moral, like a G.I. Joe lesson of the day kind of thing happening. Yeah. This movie's really all over the place with its messaging. It, the messaging is bad. And I, <laughs> I'm going to blame four kids for that, but still. Then we get the uh, an iconic moment. An iconic moment of Mewtwo and Mew are going to strike each other with their psychic abilities. And Ash, who's the only person in the fucking room who's doing anything whatsoever... Finally climbs his way down from, like, the upper scaffolding of the stadium and runs into the middle of the arena and gets blasted and turned into stone. Thoughts? He definitely died. Definitely died. This is the third or fourth time he's died. All right, let's go through the list. There was uh, the ghastly one, I think, was first. Then there was, like, you know, he should have died on that mountain. He got lucky there. The Spiros. The Spiros. Yeah, we're looking at probably the fourth, fifth, maybe sixth time drowning should have or was dead he's drowned a couple times yeah he's drowned a couple times Uh, but now at least now um we get to see how he comes back to life each time that's the interesting part of the scene that was good for me oh okay you like the crying scene no no i like the crying scene i have a thought okay so ash makes this terrible sacrifice everybody's like oh ash oh my god but nobody like runs to check on him like they're all just standing there for several several minutes and pikachu runs out because of course he's the only one concerned for ash and he's like pika pee pika pee you know trying to wake him up or whatever and ash has completely been medusified and like turned to stone or whatever yes jacob i was gonna defend them at this moment they didn't break the number one rule of what to do when someone turns to stone everyone knows the number one rule is you don't touch them because then they just crumble oh well, Pikachu did touch him. Pikachu touched Ash, and he just sort of like... I mean, like, the people, though. I mean, like, you go and touch them, and then, like, they eventually disintegrate. But they literally don't do anything. They're not, like, I think, what, Misty might say softly under her breath, she might be like, oh, no. And that's it. I'm like, you guys, like, nobody's running over to help. Like, literally nobody else. I don't know. It upset me. I think this was a bad scene in that his oh, friends... Oh, interesting. Like, his friends don't even give a shit. They're just, like, he's dead on the floor, and they don't try to, like, run over and see what's happening. Like, is there any sort of life-saving measures we can try here? They just stand there. That's what I think that, too. And let Pikachu, like, get consumed by his grief and misery. Like, Pikachu's crying over Ash's lifeless stone body, and they're just like, too bad. Sucks. Oh, well. I liked it. I liked it because it was dramatic. I mean, it was dramatic. It was dramatic. It was very emotional. I just think he's got some shit friends because they can't even run over to say, oh, my God, Ash. He, he always dies alone. Yeah. That's kind of the sad part. He never, die, he never dies with someone. He never dies surrounded by caring people, like, concerned, you know, we've done all we can to help him kind of say. I, 
now that I'm thinking about this, I'm very upset. I'm actually going to defend them. <laughs> I'm defending the twerps. Why? What's there to defend? Because, A, they're probably in shock because Ash just got turned to stone and probably they're, like, sleep deprived and it's five in the morning and they've been watching all this going down. And they're like, well, fuck, we're going to die anyway. And really, I, they just saw Mewtwo and Mew blast Ash into smithereens, effectively. Maybe they're like, oh, shit, if we run out there, they'll kill us, too. Yeah, but they could have had emotion on the sideline. They could have they been... They could have had a emotion. Oh, my God! You know, kind of thing. But I know why they didn't do that. Because they couldn't play it up like that. Because that would scare the kids too much, I think. I mean, it's bad enough. Yeah. But... yeah. I feel like... That's what I was thinking when I was watching this scene. Because I'm like, yes, it's really emotional. Ash has turned to stone. Pikachu's crying. But I think if they had had Misty, Brock, Nurse Joy... You know, if they engaged emotionally, then I think it would have been too real. Like, then mm. people might have been like, oh, my God, is he really dead? You know, it would scare the kids. Like, oh, no, something's really wrong. So maybe that's why. That's a good point. They didn't kind of have that kind of reaction from them because they knew, oh, it's going to be okay, you know, kind of thing. I like that because I think in that point, like, the movie's really teaching kids that, like, hey, if your friend gets turned to stone, just kind of stay calm, relax, <laughs> and it, w- it would just work itself out. Remember the prophecy that we made up. <laughs> The winds right, of yes. water. Throw the stone into the water, and it will come back to life. Ooh, no, he'll be he'll like be um erosioned. Shit, that's not the word I'm looking for. Erosioned. Eroded. <laughs> Eroded. <laughs> Corroded, maybe. You know, and to that point, like Austin, you were saying before, you know, Mew doesn't go over there trying to like unstonify him either. Like Mew doesn't help or intervene at all. So, is this the first time we've seen Ash stoned? Ha ha. Hey. Again, like I said earlier, Mew doesn't cry. All the other Pokemon cry. Mew does not cry. Mew's just like looking around like, what's going on? Mew is not feeling any remorse over this. Well, Mew, Mew doesn't because Mew knows what's coming next. This has happened before, apparently. This has happened before. Yes. So that's what my defense of that is. So we don't really get an explanation for the whole power of Pokemon tears thing. They just all start crying and then the tears fly into the middle of the room where Ash is laying dead and somehow revive him like nothing happened. It doesn't make any sense and the prophecy they made up doesn't do anything to explain it, but it is very pretty. Yes. Sure. I think if that's it for that scene, we can move on to the last one to where we find out that everything we went through, everything we endured, it was all for nothing. (laughs) Hey, can you believe that? That's not entirely true. I will interject the fear trainer is dead we don't know that for a fact well that's good if he comes back alive i would say it's not all for nothing because mewtwo learns a valuable lesson in that we get our poignant like climactic you know oh the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant and it's what you do with the gift of life and all that so ash has succeeded in teaching mewtwo not to hate humanity and that people in pokemon can be friends and it's very good i think it was good Mewtwo learns something. He takes his clones and flies off somewhere. But yeah, Ash gets his memories erased and they end up back where they started. So you're saying it's good? Yeah, I mean, I guess I put that as good. Mewtwo learns something. It's not like he's, like, the whole thing wasn't, like, lost on him. And he was actually, like, touched by this whole thing. And I wrote, good. Ash is a Christ figure. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Well, he is. I mean, he yeah. is. <laughs> Do you guys, was this time travel or was this memory wipe? Okay, I like to think it's just memory wipe. I think, like, he returns them to the shore, and then, like, mm-hmm. then, like, they just they don't remember he any of it. He resets the pieces, right? He just yeah. resets the pieces. 
like a game board. Like he teleports them back or something. I like to think okay. that. But it kind of seems like time travel. Yeah, because everything's exactly the same. Unless he's just that good. I don't know. I was just asking. A little column A, a little column B. Are we tired from discussing this? I think so. Well, the movie, like Alex said, the movie ends with everyone learning a valuable lesson. <laughs> Does that wrap it up for us? Are well, we, we here? Get a, we get a are really we, nice... Are we exhausted? <laughs> we get a sweet little callback to Ash's first... The first episode where Ash sees the mysterious Pokemon that we come to know as Ho-Ho-Ho-Ho. Ho-Ho-Ho-Ho. Merry Christmas. No, we're not going back to the Christmas dimension here. <laughs> <laughs> we, might as, we might be there in this episode. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Like, he sees the mysterious... Like, he sees Mew fly by. He sees it. Nobody else sees it. He's like, what was that? And then they're like, what? What? We don't see anything. And he's like, the day I started on my Pokemon journey, I saw something, you know? And I saw a Pokemon and, you know, who knows? The mystery and there's so many things out there kind of... I don't know. It kind of gives you this sense of, like, wonder and, like, mystique. I don't know. It kind of made me all nostalgic again, so... A blast from the past. I have an ugly point. What? Go for it. The poster! What poster? The Pokemon, the first movie poster. It's ugly? It's hideous. Why? What exactly is hideous about it? Hold on, let me pull it up. What's wrong with it? It's got Mewtwo, Mew... It's hideous! Look at the background Pokemon! Meowth is smaller than Nidoran's face. Wait, where's Meowth at? Upper right. Okay, it's like very clip-arty. Like, Meowth does stand out, but... I don't like the clip artiness of it. Why is Kakuna here? The Pokemon match of all time is here, 151. Mewtwo versus Mew. We've got New Island. we got Pikachu kind of down there at the bottom. Vaporeon's peeking out very sneakily in the bottom left. Who's that Pokemon? Yeah, I just don't like the graphic design of it. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't know. I, maybe I just don't like the border art of the Pokemon clip art everywhere. I think that's that's pretty tacky. You can barely see them. I see Kakuna, Tangela's there, Cubone, Meowth, Vaporeon, Tentacruel, Mr. Mime. Oh my god, Mr. Mime. Let's go through the list and see which of these Pokemon had a role to play in the movie. Tentacruel, Tentacruel was, was there. Vaporeon. Was Vaporeon there? No. Well, yes, you're right. It, it totally was. Where? It, it was one of the boy in the tank tops Pokemon. Vaporeon? Yeah. Oh, okay. I completely missed it. Kakuna wasn't there. Caterpie was not there. Tangela was not there. Cubone was there in the Pikachu short. Okay. What's that in the upper left? Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur was there. Oh, he was there. Regardless, I think it's an ugly poster. Clefairy was not there. Nope. Oh, well, it's not the worst poster. It's fine. Jacob's like, okay, we're done. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys want to wrap it up because I have to head on out? Okay, let's go. Go, 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 go. MVP, okay. LVP. MVP, okay. Quotes. Okay. It's me, Austin, then Alex. Mm, okay. Okay. I'm going to give my MVP to Ash. He was mine too. He really stepped up this episode, this episode, this movie. And my LVP, I'm going to give to Giovanni for getting us in the mess, this mess to begin with. Okay. <laughs> so Giovanni, you're my LVP. And then my quote, it's actually two, and it goes back to that Viking scene. Oh, damn we it. Hear, <laughs> we hear Brock say, I didn't know Vikings still existed. And then Ash goes, they mostly live in Minnesota. I do appreciate four kids for that. You know, I know we give them a lot of shit. You know, this whole time we were like, oh, the winds of water. What the hell is that bullshit? But then we got gems like the Vikings and the Minnesota. Oh, okay. Totally good. Austin? My MVP will be Meowth's clone, who we didn't talk about, because Meowth's clone was the only one of the clones who did not want to fight. 
it was kind of the counterpart to Pikachu in that way. And uh, Meowth's clone convinced Meowth not to fight and was a real peace broker. So he seemed very wise and I liked him. Kind of like Meowth without all the baggage. My LVP will be Mewtwo for planning to destroy the world. That wasn't very nice. No, not at all. Nope. And my quote will be, Ash is trying to save Pikachu from the eyeball. He sees Team Rocket out of the corner of his eyes and he screams, I don't have time for your dumb motto today. I thought that was funny, and I thought it was funny <laughs> to show the, like, we, shit serious. We don't got time for this right now. Yes. I am going to say, I'm going to say MVP is Jesse. I really like Jesse. Well, Team Rocket as a whole, but Jesse, I guess, specifically, because she stopped Dragonite with a frying pan, and <laughs> she is, like, the lead Viking, and she's got some funny lines, which I'll just say, because nobody said it. When she's like, hey, you need a ride to the island? And she's like, we can get you there faster than you could say Farfig Nugan in, like, her Viking accent. So that was funny. LVP. Oh, this is difficult. Are you really not going to say the other Jesse quote? What? What's the other Jesse quote? Stroke. Oh, stroke. 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 Oh, I think I'm going to have one. Yep. <laughs> she had some real good lines. So I don't know who to give LVP to. Ah, Mewtwo's ball hands. There you go. I don't know, Mew. Mew for not helping intervening and kind of, like, playing into this whole thing. That's what we're going to say. Mew. Excellent. All right. And my quote. I like Meowth's quote at the end when he's talking to his clone and he's like, you're right. We do have a lot in common. The same earth, the same air, the same sky. Maybe if we started looking at what's the same instead of always looking what's different, who knows? And we're rushing to finish up. I don't know why, but we are. So, <laughs> I don't know. Week. Austin, you're making me panic. Next week, we're still on Mewtwo. We're going to do what Jacob watched, which is like the secret origin of Mewtwo's birth or some bullshit. I don't know what they called it. It's the birth of Mewtwo animated short. And we're also going to go along with the CD slash radio drama, the birth of Mewtwo, which was the original source material that that animated special slash extended scenes were based on. So look forward to that. Yes. Look forward to that. Now to use anything. Well, I was just, I don't know. I was so excited. I know this was kind of a, a trial and error for us as far as doing the movie. So yeah, it was long-winded, and you know we were kind of getting our footing there at the beginning. So I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed watching the movie. I love this movie. I was having a whole nostalgia moment earlier. I thought this was really fun. I hope you guys all thought it was really fun, too. So thanks for sticking with us and listening to this. Yes, yes. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to leave us a five-star rating. And if you have any questions or comments for the show, be sure to send them to outofthedryingpan at gmo.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at outofdryingpan. And join us next time as the journey continues. <laughs>